This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by On. On Track Night Series takes over the Zatapec 10 this December in Melbourne. On Track Night celebrates the running community. The shared passion, the competition and the camaraderie, it's all there. High energy affairs with loud crowds pushing athletes to greater heights. Join us as Lakeside Stadium comes to life on December 2nd. Visit ontracknights.com for more information. Episode number 309 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Coming out a day later this week, which we'll explain in a second why that is. Uh, not much going on this episode. Not much happened in the running world. A bit of our World Road Running Championships to talk about. And we've got an interview with uh, Zach Fascioni, which I conducted last week at the very end of the episode. So a bit going on, but yeah, not a lot of running news is happening at the moment. Welcome to my co-host. He's not in Canberra. He's in Melbourne at the moment. Welcome to you, Bradley Croker. Thanks, Brady. Yep, just uh, got out of hospital two hours ago, actually, and I'm back there tomorrow. Two hours ago. People would have noticed on your Strava yesterday that you were doing laps around, is it the Victoria Gardens there? Is that what it's called? Uh, near the museum? Yeah, yeah I get it. Carlton Gardens? Carlton Gardens. Yeah, 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 go past the museum. Yeah, cutting laps around there. Um, we'll ask you all about what's happening in a second after I introduce our other co-host, Julian Spence, the 214 man and world championship representative. How are you this week, Moose? I'm, I'm, I'm getting back, coming back from a sickness. And it um, just unblocked you, actually, from all social media after the weekend. Unblocked me? I didn't, so put, come... I didn't put much up about Collingwood, to be honest, but thanks for reminding me. <laughs> uh, well, it was just a precautionary block. Cause... What a weekend of sport, eh? What a game that AFL footy game was. This isn't an AFL podcast, but that was... Did you watch the whole thing at home? Yeah, I watched it. I found it, like, I didn't really like the game much at all. I felt like the oh, last really? quarter was totally dead. Everyone just ran out of legs. It was pretty boring stuff. The second quarter was amazing with all those goals. second quarter was good. second some quarter the, was good. Yeah, some of the brizzy goals in the first quarter were really good as well. Oh, yeah. The first one from yeah. Bailey, jeez. Yeah. That was a hard goal to yeah. kick. Just high uh, skill level. Yeah, But, you know, like, even at the very end, Collingwood were just... It was almost like they just were saving their last kick, and um, in a race. Like I'm like thinking at like a, a 5k. They're coming down the home straight. Brisbane come up to their shoulder, and they're just like, yeah, I've, I've got plenty left. They basically did the barest they needed to to win, but they could have smashed them. I reckon. But they've been doing that to us for the last two years, just winning by like the smallest of margins. Yeah, well, it's not hard. It's not easy. To, if they're winning, it doesn't matter. It's not easy. Not easy to watch, Moose. Get very much uh, nervous. But I'll talk about that later on when I'm recapping my week. Croaks, tell us what you're doing in Melbourne. Um, yeah, so last Tuesday, I think it was, I um, got a phone call from the hospital down here saying that uh, 
yeah, Andre wanted, yeah, wants you to get in as soon as possible, and the earliest we can get you in is like the following Tuesday. So Viv was home at the time, and so I sort of, you know, sign languaging to her like we're driving to Melbourne because I um, they said that because initially for the procedure I thought I was going to go and do a VO2 max test in the morning, then go and have this inserted in the afternoon or the loop recorder inserted in the afternoon, and then basically go home. But then the hospital said that. Uh, you need to have somebody to come and collect you after the procedure. So I'm like, all right, well, Viv's got to come now. Um, So anyway, yeah, we drove down on Monday um, and then, yeah, stayed here last night. Had to be at the hospital at, I think, like quarter past 11 and um, had to basically fast, well, had to have at least six hours. So they called me yesterday and said, "You, you can't eat anything after 6.30 this morning. So I got up early just to have something to eat. Um, yeah, got there. A lot of it was just sitting around. Like it was pretty much three hours. I was on a bed for basically three hours, um, doing absolutely nothing. Uh, they yeah, injected some antibiotics before the procedure. And then, yeah, the procedure was like literally 10 minutes. Um, just, they wheel you into the theater, uh, put in some local anesthetic around your chest. And then, um, yeah, you feel a bit of sort of pressure bit of pushing and shoving uh, and they put this like uh yeah they put a thing over your face so you can't even <laughs> you can't even see what's going on um yes yeah, so the 10 minutes and then i had to um yeah just stay in observation for two hours afterwards so you got out at uh yeah just before five o'clock a uh, little bit tender now like just where you know the drugs are starting to wear off so if i do anything with my like left arm so we went and grabbed some dinner and carrying dinner home in my left hand i had to change it because it was you know when you're sort of using your pec muscle it sort of becomes a bit sore um yeah and then back tomorrow for a um a stress test uh so that's tomorrow afternoon uh i think i jump back on the bike and they hook me up to all the leads and that'll be the first time that um yeah i guess i'll have some um data well, basically yeah i'll have some data on how my heart's going under stress uh, that'll be the first time yeah since the surgery Mm-hmm. So when you, um, when you say under stress, like, do you have to go and do workouts and stuff now? Uh, well, to, yeah. So tomorrow is basically a um, a VO2 max test oh, on right. a bike. Been on yeah. the bike, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be hooked up to all the monitors, and then um, yeah, like, and that. So last time when I came down and did the exact same thing, that's when I had like three or four episodes of VT. So I'm hoping that everything looks pretty normal and. Um, Andre gives me sort of the okay to do a little bit more than what I'm doing. I, I spoke to him a couple of times today. He popped in and um, I said to him, so if uh, if everything looks pretty good uh, tomorrow, then um, what do you reckon? Like a, a bit more? And he's like, oh, we'll, we'll see. I'm probably, <laughs> probably a little bit more on the conservative side because I've, uh, yeah, I've been stung before or, you know, I've stung others by being a little bit too uh, liberal. So um, anyway, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Can you imagine this bloke as a patient, Moose? Oh, hitting him up, hitting the fucking surgeon up. As yeah, you're, as I'm more than just pushing the envelope. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Hitting him up as he's coming out of anaesthetic. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, so then this loop recorder, uh, I got a bit of a crash course in how to use it, like, while I was in the, like, you know, two minutes before I was having the procedure done while I was on the on the bed. Um, but I've got like some booklets and stuff to read about how to, uh, how to use it. And there's like a thing that you can carry with you. So if I was out for a run, if I just sort of carry it with me, it's not, I don't know, it's like maybe 10, 10 centimeters long. So it'd be pretty easy to hold in your hand. 
and if you feel something, you can actually like press it and it will, I think record it from the previous seven minutes and uh, yeah, and in the future for a couple of minutes. Um, so anyway, that's in there now for I don't know how long. Mm, okay. So I guess. And so how big is it? Like a matchbox or something? Uh, it's probably uh, five. Uh, I don't know between five and ten centimeters long and like maybe uh, one one centimeter wide. Yeah, so right. it's and sort of long, oh, it's long like and a, thin. It's a re- it's like uh, dead flat. Yeah, it's pretty flat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you go and off help? at the airport? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, and I don't think it's even an issue for for MRIs. It's, well, it's not as bad as if you've got, like, a defib in there or a pacemaker. So, um, yeah, Andre was saying that, like, because I asked him about potentially getting more MRIs down the track to see whether the scarring's changed, and he said, yeah, that's a good idea, probably, like, in about a year. Um, and, yeah, having this in there is not really a, a major factor for the MRI. Tomorrow we'll give them the most data, won't it? The VO2. I'll, about yeah, well, what your running looks like from here on in. Yeah, yeah. In terms of how my heart looks while I'm running, in terms of the rhythm and everything like that, because, yeah, last time I was down here and I did it, I had, like, I don't know, three or four episodes in that sort of 10-minute VO2 max test, and I only felt one of them, whereas I'm hoping that um, combination of, you know, not running a lot since July and the surgery means that, you know, the heart rate, the ECG looks pretty normal, and if it looks normal, then... Yeah, it's okay to probably do a little bit more than what I'm doing. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if I do the do the VO2 max tomorrow and it does look like I'm still going into VT, then obviously they're not going to say, "Hey, go and <laughs> run more." Yeah. Tell us about your running week, though. I see you did some pacing. Yeah. So pretty similar to the week before. Ran six times, um, all between like 5k and, and 10k in length. Monday was just 40 minutes. Uh, yeah, 9k. Then, yeah, Tuesday, the, the group did a session, and then uh, one of the guys I coached, Tim, he was coming out for a 5K time trial after that. So uh, I offered to pace him, and uh, one or two guys sort of jumped in and out. Um, yeah, his goal was to pretty much, you know, run around sort of 19.10. His PB was like 19.40 or something. Um, yeah, so I put on the put on the next percent twos for these uh, just because I wanted it to feel as easy as possible. And, uh, yeah, it was fine, like averaged like 158 heart rate he um yeah ran like 1917 it i wouldn't say it felt difficult but when you think about you know sometimes when i'm fit the back end of long runs i'm doing this for 5k and here i am as a a 5k effort it was yeah in that comfortably hard zone so that was 5k on the tuesday i did 45 minutes on the wednesday 425s Thursday, uh, another nine and a half K at four thirties. Uh, I took Friday off and then Saturday, I could, yeah, Friday I went out and met my group and just rode the bike with them. And then it ended up being pretty warm. Um, Friday, actually all weekend was pretty hot. And so, cause I didn't run Friday morning. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go out when it's super hot. Um, yeah. So then took that day off Saturday ran for 45 minutes at four twenty fours, And then Sunday met up with, um, yeah, Rob, um, from road to Berlin and a few of the other guys that I coach for another 45 minutes around Mulligans at 4.28, followed by a uh, bit of a smoothie down at the local cafe. So, yeah, a week of 54K. So that's sort of two, two weeks in a row, about 50K. Um, don't feel like I'm getting <laughs> that much fitter off that, but uh, it's nice to be out running. 
bit of a debrief with Rob. Had you listened to Road to Berlin yet? Or hadn't? Uh, no, I hadn't because I wanted to save that for our trip down. So I listened to that yesterday in the car. Um, so, yeah, like a little bit of a debrief, but because there was like other people around, it wasn't like a one-on-one. But listening to it yesterday, like one thing I'm starting to realise about Berlin is like, yes, they have an amazing course, but like I don't reckon Rob drank enough during that whole event. You know, like he would have had – a a few hundred mils of water and trying to trying to drink out of those plastic cups mm. it's just it's just crap like for a for a world class event like you look at gold coast gold coast you can grab a bowl of water and you're guaranteed of pretty much getting that whole 250 mils whereas you know in berlin you'd literally have to stop at the drink stations to get a drink unless you had somebody on the side of the road so i reckon it's um i think it's pretty crap thinking the same huh? thing today actually cuz i think the gels and how you can carry them, and they seem to be like you can buy ones higher in carb, like value these days as well. Like I think that issue can be sorted out, but hydration is very hard to sort out. And you need you need to drink yeah. like over two and a, especially if there's a like if it's sixteen degrees. Yes, it's not hot, but you're going to sweat a fair bit. And you're going to lose a lot, you lose a lot of fluid, which then means that your heart rate starts to creep up. Um, like I, I think about how much fluid I've drunk in the last few marathons, and yeah, admittedly I've been able to put bottles out. But if I couldn't put bottles out, I'd be I'd be stuffed. Like, and that was a good thing about Gold Coast is because you could grab a bottle of water, and be guaranteed to pretty much get most of it in in your mouth. With a yeah, screw, I wonder. I wonder screw top. From a um, bothly from a environmental as well as like a um, like a financial cost whether like the big races look look at those things with the cups versus yeah, bottles. 40,000 people, don't they? Yeah, I don't think financially they'd be too stressed about it. But, I mean, think about that for bottles. So they got 40,000 people. Yeah, that's what I meant, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you put a bottle out every 5K. So that's, what, eight stations. Um, so you're looking at, what, 300,000-plus bottles. It's <laughs> a lot, sure yeah. Surely that doesn't go well with the uh, with the um, whoever oversees the environmental stuff for the race. But I mean, cups—they're probably cups don't seem much better unless they're compostable or something. Well, that's it. I would have thought the types of even the types of cups they're using sound like they're useless for runners. Like, why not try and find some cups that you can at least maybe um, crease and you know create a bit of a funnel to get get the fluid in. Is Did Gold you guys... Coast a bit of an outlier? Sorry, Moose. Like, do many yeah. marathons have bottles? Don't know. Sydney didn't, Moose. That had cups. Um, Sydney but, was cups for sure. Are they, yeah. are they plastic as well? Mm, yeah. Mm, I yeah. don't know. They were. Were they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yep. they definitely were. Because I remember getting a cup of ice at one stage and that was in plastic. Yeah. Melbourne? Uh, bottles. Yeah, Melbourne's not bottles. Mm, See, so yeah. What's a do, you agree, do you agree, though, a lot of the people, like if you don't have people on the sidelines or, um, you know, elite or sub-elite where you can put your bottles out, I reckon 99, well, like over 90% of the people that are doing the race are probably not getting enough, you know, liquid. Yeah, I would agree with you. Hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. That was that was my sort of takeaway when I was listening to how much like Rob was taking on board. It's like okay, got all his got all of his gels on, but yeah, I don't reckon he drank enough in terms of like just fluid throughout the race. Nah, it's, it's impossible the, the splashing. And if you're going to get like say you get two, one goes over the head, and then by the time you've sort of got the actual water into your mouth, 
a cut might be 100 mil or so, you're probably only getting 50 mil in. Yeah, if that. I yeah. I was doing half a mouthful at Sydney. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you're Just trying, though, because you're going past it like 18K an hour and you're trying to grab it from someone who's there as a volunteer. They're not like professionals at handing water out. And so they hold on a bit long or it's only a half full to start with. Um, and so there's a bit of crash and it's lost when you first grab it. it the tactic, you grab some at the start of the station, I reckon, smash it down as quick as you can, grab another one, smash it down, and then the third one you carry with you as a bit. Like you, there's, they're pretty long in those pages. Like yeah. they're massive aid stations, so you, can, you get a chance to do that. And I just on road to Berlin, like, you know, hats off to the boys. Like they did such a great job over that series. Like I I thoroughly enjoyed every single episode and and even Paddy to get on after his, you know, ordinary run, um, and, you know, just give an honest reflection and um yeah, I thought it was a you know, it was a great episode and oh sorry, great series, but you know, I really enjoyed that last episode as well. Yeah, I'm gonna get him back for a monthly episode, I reckon. Yeah. Start, start, start rotating a few different people through the monthly. Maybe do three monthlies a month. Stuff like <laughs> that. Got some long-lost guests that I want to catch up with that we've had on over the years. Anyway, that's a good week, Croaks. What have you been doing, Moose? So you're like recapping the week, what, seven days post-marathon to 14 days post. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Seven days. So um, I, the week started on the 25th. I went out for 10 and a half K. Uh, felt pretty good actually. The body seems to have pulled up pretty well. Um, I thought I would. I wrote a bit of a program, which I, I stuck to fairly well this week until the end when I got sick. So yeah, just started Monday, ten and a half k. Felt good, um, and then Tuesday again, same ten k. Did ran down to the beach with the dog. It was a nice morning, so couldn't help myself. I decided to get up a bit earlier this week, so before daylight savings kicks in, and get make use of the the early light. That's uh, nice. Not as many people out either. I feel like you start the day pretty well. You get home, you don't have to rush to get ready for work. I uh, ran in the New Balance 1080 V13 that day, which has just landed in store in preparation for a. For I can't remember exactly when the launch is, but. They're, they've arrived. Uh, I've, great update. Like the, I've I've worn the 1080 for a long time, and I used to adore it, and I fell out of love with it. And now I've, I've fallen back in love with this one. I, I did have a, a pair of samples for about six months ago, kind of not wear testing because I didn't ask for any feedback, but I just got an early an early pair, and they were played a big part in my running rotation. They're a lot more flexible through the forefoot than other shoes that I have at the moment. And I think that's um, a really, like a really helpful thing for me to not always be in stiff, oversized cushion shoes. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna start implementing more of that in my rotation. Yeah, I'm uh, to talking about that on shoe geeks. Is it like thinking to make your foot do more work? Yeah, pretty much. Basically like not always change not always trying to give the foot a chop out like sometimes let the foot be a foot without going down the full holistic barefoot path like i think it is like i look at my shoe rotation and everything i've got either has a carbon plate in it 
has a massive stack of cushion or is super stiff and, and, and wide and stable. I've got nothing that allows a, a natural type of movement pattern at the foot and ankle. And, and that's what I want to get back to. Mm. Uh, I agree with that, Moose. Like, I, like I've, so coming back, I've been like alternating between, say, the Super Blast and the Infinity React. And when I go out in the Super Blast, like I feel like I'm not using as many muscles as I am when I use the Infinity React. So everything is significantly harder in the Infinity React compared to the Super Blast. And I think there's a time and a place to actually wear a shoe where you are having to work a little bit harder. Yeah, I'm not. That's not really the point. The point for me is more injury related. Um, I'm just. I want the. Like I don't want to keep loading up the chain um, every time I go for a run. Like, and that's the purpose of some of these shoes. Not so much the Super Blast, but like, say Brady, I know you run a lot in the Asics Glide Ride. You still running that shoe? Ah, uh, probably two runs a week. Yeah. Okay. That's but good. yeah, but before the Super Blast, I was probably doing five runs a week in it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, and I just like that can certainly change the loading patterns on the body and i'm just seeing a lot more upper limb stuff you know like fucking sacrums femurs proximal hamstring tendinopathies glute tendon stuff and it might be a coincidence it might not but i want to get back to seeing more achilles tendon stuff <laughs> i want to start fucking my feet up a bit more uh but it's it's all a bit of a theory of mine at the moment the next day I ran in a shoe that I really didn't like much, the Hocker Mac X. So this was 12K, did a bigger loop of Anglesey. This was one of the runs where I just I, I, I was regretting my shoe choice and it actually made the run unenjoyable. Uh, it's Hocker's kind of comparison to the Super Blast, I guess, uh, but it does have a plate in there. It's a plastic plate. It's got two foams. Felt quite dead underfoot to me. Felt a bit narrow. Got a numb foot after a while. And yeah, that one's um, that one's found its way into a mate's cupboard. <laughs> 8K the next day, just a bit easier. I was going to have a down day. And then this is where I sort of the plans changed a little. Uh, Matt Gunther, he's coming back from a bit of a hip injury himself. He came down to Anglesey to do a workout. So I, I thought, oh yeah, I can jump in with him for my first threshold back. And he was doing five by six minutes. I thought I'd jump in for, for three or four, depending on how I was feeling. Um, I wore the new Zebra 2s from Mizuno. So I hadn't I got those early, but I hadn't had a chance to actually wear them yet. So I decided to chuck those on and have a crack. Um, the workout felt fairly fine aerobically. I, I started to feel like I was getting quite a sore chest during the run. I'm not sure what it was. Thought I might have been hitting the gym a bit hard. Um, I, I pulled out after three. My Achilles got a little sore too. I'm not sure I get on well with those shoes. I think they're a little bit too aggressive in their geometry for me. I don't hit the right spot in this one. I think I prefer version one in terms of its suitability to my foot strike. Um, version two is just, I, I felt like it, the sweet spot was even smaller. I did hit it a couple of times and thought, oh, wow that was that was nice but then the rest of the time was 
searching for that nice area. Otherwise, it did felt a little harsh, um, and yeah. and the energy kind of kicked back at me a little bit. I agree. I've only done a threshold in it, and I want to put it through like a a change pace kind of fart lake, like something you cut down in, and just see where. Yeah, I think you got to hit the right spot in it. Yeah, where, yeah. I think that spot's smaller in the twos than it was the ones. I was a big fan of the ones. People know I'm a big fan of the ones. Yeah. But I felt like I could put that on for any workout, and it would be I'd hit the spot. Whereas this one, I'm like, oh, I didn't feel it that much in the threshold, but I've still got to test it more before I make up my mind. The the shoe now is made. It was a niche shoe, and it's we got even nicher now, and and in terms of who can wear that shoe, and I'm just not sure like it's that going to be that practical for that many people. And I think when you make something so different to how I feel a natural like foot strike works, like it it is so artificial for me how it felt running in it. I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel right, and I'm not sure that I would I trust this under my foot. I think you'd need to spend a decent amount of time to to get to a point where you'd trust it for a longer distance race. Yeah. I, I, when but, you had the guy on shoe geeks, he didn't really say that though, did he? He didn't really talk about it at all. But he was kind of saying how it's like the next level up. Well, they 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 think they can run faster in this shoe. That's the idea. It's more aggressively angled, um, and the the height through the middle is thicker. And the idea was that the first version wasn't um, suitable for faster paces, whereas this one will be more suitable for the, the higher-end marathoners. Oh, but, okay. But if but your marathon pace is slower? Yeah, it won't work. Okay. But I, I don't agree so much with that. I, I think everyone's foot strike is so different. You can't lump someone with a certain foot strike. Like if someone who runs a, two people with the same pace might have totally different gait gates and you might see like and and totally different preferences as well so i'm not i don't really buy into that too much but anyway the reps were um pace wise 321 317 318 aerobically felt okay i lost my heart rate monitor so i don't know for sure but it was nice to get back into something and then that other i got sick so that was friday I got real by the time I got to work that day that 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 morning I was like starting to get some shivers through the body and I was really weak couldn't sort of clench a fist so I I um by the time I got home that night I was in bed at six o'clock I think got like 12 hours not not very good sleep at all feverish uh woke up pretty pretty average I'm not throwing up or anything just fever uh, real bad headaches. Sort of came good for some patches and then watched the grand final, then got real tired and sore again. My bones were sore, my bloody joints were sore, everything was sore. Got out and had a jog on Sunday with Bree because I thought the worst of it had passed. So I jogged with Bree, that was nice, around Anglesey for an hour. Um, but then got um, sort of fell in a hole that other. And then had a good night's sleep, woke up Monday, ran Monday, fell in another hole. So decided don't go to work and don't run on Tuesday. So that's where I'm at now. Don't podcast on Monday. One of the reasons why we're a day late. Yeah, I, yeah pretty much. I, I was in a deep hole last night. You still would have been right. You would have been, you would have been fine to get through. Well, not when I carry you boys like <laughs> I do. 
Mm. Yeah, it was a good move pushing it back, pushing it back. That's a good week. If you no, were, not really. Well, <laughs> I more meant that you're doing a workout like oh. ten days after a marathon. Well, well, it wasn't much. Did you say it was meant to be five? I think Brady's used to just saying "good week." <laughs> yeah, done it three hundred. I was weeks. waiting for. <laughs> Find me the good bit about it. Just one good bit about it. <laughs> no, I think people sometimes rush back, and I think that's that's fine. If you did that week without the workout in there and just did some strides, I'd say that's a good week for where you're at. All right. Relatively speaking, out, you know what I mean. <laughs> you got to remember, Moose. This is the bloke that calls an Aussie record every week. Oh, I've got a new segment actually this week. Rumors across Brady's desk, and I want to talk about um, a potential Australian record going down. Rumors across? Yeah, I don't mind this. This is yeah. This is, yeah, I've this got, is a good way to get some stuff out. Actually, I've got three little dot points here, which I'm going to talk about at the end of the show in my new segment. Rumors across Brady's desk. Yeah, um, good, but don't get us in too much trouble. No, they're just rumours. Yeah, they're just rumors. Other people have sent them in to me. My DMs will be open. Um, if you've got any rumours, get them through to me Brady, for next week's show. Brady's whispers. Brady's if we whispers. don't comment on it, then we won't get in too much strife. We can whispers just... of the week. Yeah, good. I like it. I might make some stuff up right now. <laughs> just send tell it into about, Tell us about your week. <laughs> My week, Monday, complete day off. We drove home from, um, where were we? Browlee, New South Wales, South Coast, near Croker. Um, long drive, Olivia spewed just near the uh, dog in the tucker box there, Croaks, which is about five hours from home. So that made the last five hours a bit smelly in the car, but we cleaned all that up cool. and um, we made it home. Hudson's just figured out what the word boring down means. Um, so yeah, long <laughs> trip, didn't run, got home about uh, 6pm. Tuesday, do you guys have this thing when you've had a, like I wasn't planning to have the day off, but I just couldn't run before we travelled and didn't want to run when we got home because it was late. But do you guys have this thing where you wouldn't jump straight into a workout if you've had a day off? Like you want to just like go for a jog, like a jogging day? Is that no, a thing? No, not necessarily. Yeah. No, because I, I used to take, when I was doing three sessions a week, I used to have Friday as my rest. Completely day. off. Yeah. So. Moose? Oh, I've never, nah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I've actually considered that myself. Yeah, so I was um, like Tuesday, yeah. usually a workout day. I had done one Friday the week before, but I was like, no, I just want to jog, get a day of jogging under my belt before I jump into a workout. I guess because on school holidays as well, I'd kind of be a bit flexible. So I did 90 minutes in the morning at 4.27s, and then I did 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.39s. Wednesday, I did a workout, did six by a mile. Probably my favourite workout, mile reps at threshold pace. Um, hit like 3.13 average off 90 seconds, slow jog between. Then also got out for 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.41s. Thursday, did 70 minutes at 4.46 pace. And then just, just wait, Brady. Why aren't I seeing all this on Strava? Have I opened it back up? Oh, Zaka <laughs> wanted me to to close some stuff off on Strava, so all the competition guests went to the um the six by mile post. Yeah, okay. you see it in uh, there? I can't. I, no, I hit seen. refresh because I've been trying to open it up as Moose was recapping his week. Okay, I haven't hit them all yet though. But um, there's a few runs that weren't on Strava, and I'll get to my Strava activity, well, other people's activity on my Strava in a second. So, yeah, I got out for 70 minutes Thursday, and then Friday morning I woke up to a message um, about a grand final ticket, which was a bit late. I was really hoping a listener might have helped me out before this stage, but um, a local hookup come through. So I found out that Friday morning, so I did a workout then Friday morning because I knew Saturday I wouldn't be able to do it. So I did 8 by one k This is real evidence that I need more than two days between workouts because I felt shocking early 
my perceived effort was really high. Um, I averaged 308 for the 1Kers, and they felt like I would feel when I'd usually do, like, 8 by one k um, Just, like, I could do this session in, I don't know, 258, three minutes, but I think because I was rolling off 48 hours recovery, they were just so much slower, and I didn't force it. I'm just like, this is where we're at here. Um, so, yeah, 8 by one k 308 average off about 90 seconds, um, real slow shuffle jog between. Saw a massive, like, brown snake dead on the road. That was, um, that frightened me a bit, but no dogs, so I'm always... Always happy when there's no dogs chasing me. Dead though. Hey. Dead. Dead. Yeah, but you know when you see dead ones, you know that like there's some around. I I even hate dead ones. Yeah, same. I like could see it as I was running up the road. I'm like, that's a dead snake up there, and I'm still going as wide as I possibly can around it on the road, knowing it was dead. Um. So yeah, that um, it got the heart rate up a bit. Saturday before I went to Melbourne, did 50 minutes at 4:42 pace. Um, which is good, and then went to the grand final, which I said before, just an amazing spectacle. 100,000 people in there. I thought the grandstand was going to come down when Dugowie kicked that goal moose, like in the last quarter. Like it was just, yeah, the place was absolutely rocking and shaking. My heart rate, I don't know, like my heart, when they won the game, it was just like, I should have had my heart rate monitor on. Like I don't know what was happening with my heart, but it was just Where were like, you sitting? I was sitting like three seats from the back, um, the at the very top from the back row, I was in like double B or whatever it was called, but I was kind of on the wing, like 50 meters, yeah, in between the 50 meter mark and the wing of the AFL members stand. I don't know where that is, like, yeah, Shane Warne stand side. Um, so that was cool. A lot of like neutral supporters in there too. So wasn't amongst like my Collingwood army brothers and sisters, but, um, yeah, it was still a pretty good atmosphere there. How pissed did you get? Wow, the Cause guy. Because you're, you're knocking back beers at like Man. 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know when like people hook you up with like some tickets and then they're like, yeah, well, because they picked me up. They go, I'll we'll pick you up from your house at 6.50 a.m. And I've traveled to Melbourne all the time. It's only a three-hour drive. And I'm like, why are we getting to Melbourne at like, you know, 9.50 a.m., 10 a.m.? And then they had a bit of a like, yeah, pub circuit. They kind of, These guys go to the grand final every year. Like one of them has been going the last 24 years or something like that. So, um. Yeah, we went to a few pubs, and then we went and watched the longest kick. And then um, I didn't have a beer once I actually got to the footy, but a few beers were consumed beforehand, Crokes. But it was lucky I could kind of sober up throughout the game and actually You didn't have it. a beer at the footy? Nah, the lines were massive. I just wanted to enjoy it. Moose had a bottle of water. It wasn't bad, actually. I had a um, had a pie, had some hot chips, too. It was, I thought, like, even, like, five bucks, pretty affordable in there, too. I thought, you're, a like, weird, you're a weird man. You should have seen the line. You would have missed half the quarter. Really? Yeah, yeah. I went to get one at three-quarter time and then, yeah, went down there and it was just, yeah, you would have missed missed at least 10 minutes of the last quarter if you were waiting for a beer. So were you sitting with your friends or were you by yourself? Nah, so I was sitting with one of their friends who we met in Melbourne. So I didn't right. know him, but he was, um, yeah, he was he was a good bloke. He was a neutral supporter. So, um, and they're like, you know, when you're like, going to the footy, like I was sitting near this guy who was like calling all the players like their nicknames and you're just like, mate, we're three seats back from the, from the, the roof <laughs> here. They, A, they can't hear you. B, you don't have a clue. They don't know who you are. So like, you know, like Darcy Moore would stuff up a kick and he'd be like, oh, Darcy, you've got to be better than that. And then like, you know, Dacos would do something. It's like, Dakes, you know, you can't go kicking those ones, Dakes. And you're just like, mate, shut up. Like, just enjoy the game. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good in there. Pretty good atmosphere. <laughs> I'd say I was at the 
MCG when Craig Mottram did that 5K. And I'd say this was this was just as loud, but probably a bit more like tense. Like it was, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience to see. Anyway, so we got back on Saturday night pretty late, and then Sunday got out for two hours, uh, listened to Shoe Geeks for the first hour, then a bit of music for the second hour. Hot and windy, I reckon it was like 22 degrees um, by the time I started. So 28Ks at 418s, week of 125K, which was good. Need a few more weeks like that. That's probably like a, that's a 140K week if I um, didn't have Monday off. So I feel like I just need a, a month or three weeks of like B kind of workouts and just string a bit of consistency together. Then I might pick out something to do in November. Osaka. Osaka, yeah. Yeah. Did, did they, yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm really liking that idea. I'm Good. really liking that idea. Got to get, um, got to get my name in the ballot to get a spot. Tell you what I like the idea of. You What's and that? you can bring Carly and the fam down for a surf coast January. Mm. Come down to the beach for summer. What about that? Come on a training camp in the home of running. I was thinking that. Otherwise, doubles are going to be out of the question. And I think I'm just going to load the singles because you oh. just can't train here and there. And just be content with like you know 140k in singles. Just yeah. Get a treadmill. Get some aircon. Yeah, that's another possibility. Or just get away for a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, the end of Feb date's really good. Like, I think you, yeah, you picked it out last year. Oh, last I week. reckon it is really good. I just like you can start marathon training basically just before Christmas. Yeah, well, it's that's good, good for good my work to too. Start. Like that's I, I'll get six weeks of no interruptions. Yeah, that's why Lake, Lake Biwa was always good because it was first, like first weekend in March. March, yeah, similar similar time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's good. Do they have our uh, bottled water there, Moose, or yeah, your cups? What have they got? Mate, it was f- below fucking zero when I was running. I don't think it even went for water. Yeah, okay. Moose didn't run long enough to need a drink. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> got some good ones. Got some good gags. He's got them written down, I reckon, Moose. I just fucking, I lay him up for it. I lay him <laughs> You did. You did. <laughs> Anytime Moose talks about a soccer, it's a layup. <laughs> Thanks to all the people as well who commented on my uh, Strava throughout the week. There was a bit of confusion, I think, Moose, in your competition because early days I had plenty of people commenting what their favourite shoes were and then I had plenty of people commenting on uh, how good the Brisbane Lions were going to go against Collingwood, which I don't mind. But if you're going to throw out that kind of lip, you've got to back it up. They all just went missing when Collingwood won on Saturday. So that was a bit disappointing. But, um, yeah, I think we got about 250 people commenting penguin gags or shoe stuff. On my uh, Strava, yeah. which was good I'm just fun. Going through it now, looking at some good fun ones. Yeah, yeah. I, tr- I tried to reply to a few people. Then it was a few, just prick, g- few pricks in there, I saw as well. Well, that, that should have been the gag. I wish you kind of went with that one because the penguin is a fish thing. Was that uh, that doesn't hit me at all? Whereas the run pre, that was a uh, that <laughs> right, was the, the stuff I'm not fish. I'm not proud of. It's stabbing you every time you hear that. No, because remember, we were talking about is a penguin a mammal? And I just Googled it. You were talking about it. And I just like, oh, I'll Google it. And then I just looked up some website that said penguins used to be classified as fish or something. And I just read out what I read on Google. Whereas the run pre and the run prick stuff, that's that's on me. That was a genuine stuff up, which I'm embarrassed about. But thank you to the people who commented on my Strava. Thanks to the new followers as well. Um, it's been a fun week. Let's thank some patrons. Hey, can save. you just tell me? Yep. On uh, on. Oh yeah, no, nah, sorry. Good. <laughs> ben Chandler, love it. What do you say? Good one. I'm sick of Moose always picking on teachers. 
Teachers oh, work yeah. 20, 24 7, 24 hours a week, seven months a year. Uh, I think it's 10, Ben. I think it's 10 months a year. That is brilliant from him. I love that. Going back to work tomorrow, actually. 12 week term. It's going to be a long one. Anyway, thanks to Patreon supporters, Croaks. Who you got? Uh, I've got Oscar Vanderstahl from Norway. Now, Oscar only follows four people, and two of those are Aussies. And you, they're not Aussies that you would probably uh, expect him to follow. One is Toby the Bad Boy Mende, and the other is Cam Myers. So uh, none of us three or the King of Norway get to follow. Um, what? Yeah, How not even Christian. How come up with those two? Not even Christian. Toby just does. Toby doesn't even run for six weeks. Do you reckon he ran with him in Rotterdam or something? Don't know. Oh. I um, I was quite no. amazed when I saw. Okay, you sort of he follows four. I'm like, all right, I'll click on this, and then it's yeah, Toby and Cam Myers. I reckon he's interesting, set interesting com interesting combo. Christian? <laughs> no, Christian. Who are the other two? Uh, I don't know. Some I don't know, maybe maybe some of his relatives. I'll I'll find out while you're giving uh, your shout outs. Mm. But um, anyway, a bit of more info. According to Strava, his estimated best 10K is 47.57 and ran 1.43 at the recent Oslo Half Marathon. And according to LinkedIn, I reckon he was the Director of Operations for Food Folk, which is the licensee for McDonald's in Norway. Ooh. And um, I believe he's on a career transition slash career break at the moment. That's what he's actually got as uh, his LinkedIn at the moment. Career transition slash career break. I don't mind so, that. Thanks for your support, Oscar. Thanks, Oscar. Who you got, Moose? I've got Frederick Hunzerud from Norway as well. He is a best 10K, just slightly faster than um, Oscar or Joss. Oscar. Joss. Yeah, so he's registered, he's registered in Patreon as Joss, but, uh, yeah, his name's... Oscar. Oscar. Okay. Um, he's, he ran 47.07, and he also ran at Oslo's half last year, 155. Oh, so he's touched up Oscar over 10, but then Oscar's come back and got Frederick at Oslo half last year, 155. Um, he has a master's degree in construction engineering, specialization in concrete technology with a project and master's thesis on environmentally Oriented design of bearing systems in concrete. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Add that one to the list of good titles that people have from our Patreon supporters. Who you got, Brady? I've got Daniel Pollard, Crokes. Um, these are the notes you got for Daniel Pollard. Don't have much info about Daniel, but after a bit of digging, I reckon he might be from Bendigo and is a technical manager at Moira Max Poultry and Fine Foods. If that's him, which I think it is, Croaks, because I'm going to tell you a story about Daniel in a second. He's a regular at the Bendigo Botanical Gardens Park Run with a best time of 19.44. And he also ran the Run Melbourne Half Marathon this year in 89 minutes. And boys, I actually went to primary school and secondary school with Daniel Pollard in Bendigo. And I went to a really small primary school. And this is the name of someone who I wouldn't have spoken to since year 12, back in like 2005. And he was not into running at all. And it gives me great joy knowing that Daniel Pollard, I wonder if he knows I'm the same guy from high school that's on this podcast. He's um, is a patron supporter for ours and also got involved in running. He was really good cousins, uh, friends. Well, his younger brother, Tom, was really good friends with my cousin, Geordie. 
So I knew, yeah, knew Daniel quite well through that. And just a legend of a bloke. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And, um, yeah, super cool that he's into running. Must have gone into it at a pretty late age, I reckon, the last couple of years. So massive thanks, Daniel Pollard, for your support of the Inside Running Podcast. And I hope you're going well down there in Bendigo. Uh, Patreon yep. content, boys. Been a bit happening. We talked about Road to Berlin season finale uh, happened last week, which was a good, honest recap for those fellas. Shoe Geeks went out early. That's going to be going out later in the week to the um, to the punters. That was a good episode, Moose. I enjoyed the chat about Thought Tams that was and Manu. Right? Yeah, yeah. I got through the first hour oh, of yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You know, he was ready to go. He was he, quoting he, articles and stuff, wasn't he? He yeah. was great on there. And he I was, think... He was in Tamsin's DMs immediately after. Was he? She got on, she got on the... Um, she got on and started talking shit on, on Instagram. And so he was, like, far and back. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I did love his delivery. Like, I think you called him out on it at the time. Like, he asked for some of your opinions and then just, like, went hard after that. <laughs> he did not care about our so opinions. good. Did you listen to that on your drive, Crokes, down no, from Canada? No, I haven't. But we should give the listeners a bit of context. So, and I actually want a bit more context as well, Moose. Um, I was forwarded an article where there was talk about shoe technology and how it's you know impacting the world of track and field and there were people like tamsin who were against the technology and then i saw that you got interviewed as well how did that all come about oh i just got a phone call from um a journalist called the store i think he listened to the podcast so he knows our stance or well my stance i guess on super shoes and um probably a different perspective as someone in the running shoe industry. They but pay I, for that? Cash for comment? No, are you kidding? Uh, I, I love I love that he also got Dixon. He got some oh, big yeah. hitters. Oh, he got Rod Dixon. Dixon again. Back together again, the dream team. <laughs> <The> boys. <laughs> yeah, Pat Carroll. Oh. Who else was in there, Crocs? It was pretty big. Uh, about ten different people quoted. Kate, Kate Smythe. Yeah, Kate Smythe. Um, Ralph DeBell. Yeah, Ralph DeBell. Yeah, Ralph world DeBell. World record holder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit of a Is he dream world team. World record holder, actually. Mm, he was the Aussie record holder. Yeah, maybe not world record. Maybe got a, a bit long carried time. away there. Mm. Uh, the monthly also is on there as well with Christian and the bad boy Toby Mende. We recorded that the other day. You listen to that one, Crokes, driving down. That'll be on the way home. Oh, some good stuff in there. The boys got going again, which was good. Um, and a new series, a series starting super soon. Moose, do you want to tell us about this? Yeah, well, I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know whether this is happening or not because I'm not sure about it. I think I'm... it's happening. Well, we've, we've hit some hit some roadworks with our Road to Valencia series and then there might be a sw- slight tweak where Moose is going to um, coach a person running Valencia Marathon for them to have their, hopefully, a breakthrough performance. And they're yeah, not. No, they're though. not going to talk. Sure. They're not going to talk throughout the week, and they're going to both take notes of their training week, and then on and Sunday or Monday, whenever they're going to catch up and go through um, the training and how the goals are looking for Valencia. If you've read the book "Making Making a Marathoner," the NAZ Elite one, it's going to be in similar format to that. I haven't read the book, but the people coming up with these ideas think it's going to be like a podcast version of that book mm. yeah. good. and a very you know what would be very better? very big name you know what would be better 20 is weeks 20 <laughs> weeks and we both actually invest in this because i like i'm going to be 
it's going to be content driven rather than actually performance driven, isn't it? No, I think well, uh, he's coming from a good pull, base. Well, or maybe you can pull him out of the hole, Moose, and maybe you can see some improvement, and then you can commit to twenty weeks next year. Mm. Oh. I feel like you and this person have you need to mend the relationship as athlete and 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 coach as well, and this could be a good opportunity for that. Yeah, well. If it's business, it sounds like it might be part of a business plan. Um, Christian, oh wait, I was said his name. Christian yeah. Oriksen. You want to get rid of that? You can. Don't have to get rid of it. Just we're, right. we're, it's not fully locked in yet, but we're hoping it's locked in by this time next week. So keep an eye on your Patreon feeds. He's the king of cooking marathons, isn't he? He, he probably just needs to get one on the board. That's all yeah, you're seeing. Again. Yeah, again. You've got to get one on the board. But you again. don't have to be going into this going, I've got to make this guy into a 219 guy. No. He, 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 well, he well, ain't breaking 220. I'm going to stick up for you here, Moose, because you sort of will be thrown or have been thrown under the bus a little bit because nine weeks is not really enough. Like, it, yes, it's enough to um, you know, give somebody a marathon block, but. I feel like for somebody to get benefit, it's like 20 weeks out. So you have that 10 weeks to, you know, prepare to get your body ready for the marathon block, then do the marathon block. So I even see it with athletes that I coach. They come in, you know, there's a marathon in 10 weeks' time and they want you to write them a program. It's like, well, you should have been with me like two months ago and then we could have like, you know, mapped out a, a bit longer of a plan. So yeah. He hasn't I, been I, sitting on the couch for the last 10 weeks, though, fellas. No, he hasn't, but... This is not Moose's style of coaching, just nine weeks here, do this, and you know, you're know you going to run a massive PB. But I do like the idea, Moose, of going, hey, let's give a Norwegian the traditional Australian marathoning program from like you know, 20, 30 years ago and see how yeah. he actually adapts to it. I, I like that idea as a, as a little experiment. Eight of his last 10 weeks have been 100 miles. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not he's not ready for it. He's just done it very differently to how I would have liked to do the last ten weeks. That's the ten weeks leading into the ten weeks. Yeah, it's not just it just it's not just running. He's been doing a lot of different stuff than I would have had him doing. And I like Croaks's. I like that Australian style too. I, and I, what that we have a do, bit of moose spin on it. You're not just going to give him Deke's quarters and Monifar like every Tuesday, Thursday, work, a tempo. Why work work for Deke and Mona? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was thinking. Like, actually, this is a good conversation about taking a philosophy and tweaking it. Mm. So we were talking about last night in a message group about the um, Norwegian style, you know, the double threshold system. And someone said, "Oh, yeah, we should do that, but we make Sunday a long run because we need long run." And because that Marius Barken, Marius. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, he he only ran an hour on Sunday by the look of it. Didn't do a long run. And I'm like, well, yeah, we need a long run, but you can't just ch- change someone's like full program just to suit what you need because it affects the rest of the program. And and the whole theory is that you don't do anything stressful like that inhibits your mileage and you you take low risk um, options and and the long run was considered a higher risk, so he doesn't run longer than sixty minutes at any given time, by the sounds of it, including warm up, cool down session. And the uh, risk of taking, sorry, Moose, the risk of taking like bits and pieces from every different training philosophy is you put them all together, and it ends up being like an all you can eat buffet, and you you, you, you yeah. overdo it. Mm. E- exactly, you 
and and you don't like you don't look at a successful program like this and take out the one thing that you think works and go oh it must be all around doing two workouts in a day and go that's the secret i'm just going to put two workouts in a day and then do my long run as well and I, well i can't forget long tempos like i've got to do a long tempo every now and then and what about the, some... well, those those quarters you know it's really really important to do some fast stuff and you know get that lactate up and yeah, yeah, so yeah, we'll have yeah. The quarters in as well that, and so you, i i it's disrespectful to butcher someone's program like that i think if you're gonna um if you've got to respect the like the program in its whole as to why it worked and that's like with that australian program or the um well, it was Wardlaw, but who? Chloe Hesse, right? The system. Was it yeah, called the, the system? system? Yeah. There's PDF about it if you Google it. Yeah. So it was Pat Chloe Hesse first, wasn't it? And then Wardlaw was doing a, a lot of it um, with Mona. Um, it was like quarters Tuesday, Mona Fartlek or a Fartlek on a Thursday and, and hill repeats or a hilly tempo on a Saturday with a, a long run on Sunday. And a lot of volume in between. Long, long on Wednesday too, I reckon. Oh yeah, the mid long too. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of what they would consider high stress days, but the workouts were quite low volume. Yeah. Um, mm. And it just didn't change much, like throughout the year. It's just based on consistency, like that, and and years and years of it, rather than periodization and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so nine weeks of it, it's not, again, it's not really giving it a chance, is it? It's just, it would just be fun to follow Christian doing it, I reckon. Hmm. Yeah, could be some value in that, especially just trying to get those workouts right. Like how many yeah. times do people cook Mona Fartlek and Deke's oh. quarters when they do it the first time? Take, it'll take him five weeks to get it right. But they're the I've, conversations I've, you're going to have. You DNF a few deep quarters before you get to the, oh, yeah. get the one. Pull out at six reps. <laughs> yeah. Or, or your 10 seconds slower rep for the last two. Yeah, or a 6K hilly tempo. Like I DNF'd a couple of them in Ballarat. <laughs> yeah. Right, so keep training. I'm sure you and Christian will have some good conversations. Yeah. Everything We've got to running related. It. Yeah. He wants a phone call. A recorded phone call? No, he wants a... No, oh, well... You record it. That's the whole point of it. Is that what he wants? Mend the relationship. I don't know. I'll, fi- this is I'll your, find out. This is I'll your little out. baby. He can sort it out. This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by On. On Track Night Series takes over the Zatapec 10 this December in Melbourne. On believes running is a community sport and that together we can achieve more. Just look at OAC. They race alone, but they run for each other. Individually, they're strong, but as a team, they're taking the world by storm. They're proving that community is key to performance. On Track Night celebrates the running community. On has handpicked events around the world that embody this ethos. The shared passion, the competition, and the camaraderie, it's all there. These aren't your standard races. They're high energy affairs with loud crowds pushing athletes to greater heights. They're rooted in their local community and always bringing something new to the table. They have their own unique local flavor, but they all champion their community. So join us as Lakeside Stadium comes to life on December 2nd. Visit OnTrackNights.com for more information. Ah, let's go to some running news. World Road Racing Champs. Moose, I think you were all over this one. Um, well, big I money. Watched it, you yeah. watched it all, yeah. Did you have to sign in for I just saw the highlights on YouTube because I was doing something when it was on. Oh, my kids wouldn't go to sleep because it was daylight savings. Um, but, yeah, did you have to make an account and then you could watch it? Um, well, you just created an email and 
like it's just a pretty basic account for the mile and 5k yeah and then you actually needed a vpn for the half because that wasn't being shown in australia i'm not sure why they did that so there must have been a local carrier who picked that up that they blocked the um free okay. feed uh that's pretty annoying, annoying really yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that VPN ran out for me after half an hour, so I didn't get to watch anything, really. Oh, I, I did watch the British ladies. So in the women's half, we might as well start there just because that's on the top of my head. Um, the two British ladies, uh, Susie Harrison, is that Yep. sound right? And Callie Thackeray, who has been on our show after the Great Ocean Road, maybe. Um, they were in the lead group pressing the pace. They... They were running really well. Did we get a did we get a finish time on them? Can someone look that up for me? Yeah, sixty eight, I reckon, for Cali. Yeah, yeah, okay, sixty eight something. Oh, um... and it just start, start, they were in a group with the uh, Ethiopians and the Kenyans, basically, uh, and they're just very like these girls, real dolled up, like, um, and very white with uh, blonde hair. And so it was just super polarizing seeing them in the group. And it was it's pretty cool because they were aggressive at the front. Samantha and Harrison, just to correct you Samantha, there. Samantha, yeah, yep. my bad. Um, I, was, I really enjoyed them getting to the front and pushing. And then they got dropped a couple of times and they got back on. They were tough. What did they run? She comes seventh, Callie Thackeray did. And she's saying here she broke 90 minutes, 68, uh, sorry, 69 minutes, 68.56. Yeah, okay, so that's 30 years pretty after good, really. her dad won bronze. Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. Um, Samantha Harrison was ninth in 69.26. Yeah, solid from those girls. She's come a long way since she left Australia. She has. She has. I think she broke 15 minutes. Mm. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, so the winner of that uh, was the Olympic champ in the marathon, Paris Jepchir, 67.25. She beat Margaret Kip Kemboy, 67.26. Oh, so that's pretty close at the end. I th- yeah, very close. And um, Catherine Amangan-Ola, 67.34. Uh, I didn't see the finish here because I, was, I didn't have the, um, the, the VPN. Do you guys see the finish to this race? No, I haven't. Yeah, I have. Pretty close. Oh, but yeah. It was, yeah, like <laughs> Jep to cheer was just like just grinding though. They were saying that Kip Kimboy has the track speed, but oh, yeah, did yeah. she just had the strength and she, she? It didn't look pretty the way she was kind of kicking away, but it was efficient and she got away from her. That that second looks closer than it was. Yeah, Do you know what All I right. mean when I say that. Yeah. Like, yeah, she was, she was pretty dumb, and she's a very good runner, Jep Chichi. Yeah, well, she wins a lot. Well, she won London last year, off the top of my head. I got in trouble for saying people ran. Won different races yeah, last you shouldn't week. Have said, Paul, I, Paula Radcliffe did not win Berlin Marathon. My apologies <laughs> to the people out there who heard that last week. That was a bad call from you. Um, in the Australian kit, we had Izzy Bat Doyle. She was 14th in 70.08. Um, pretty good run, I reckon, from Izzy. 70. I don't think these courses were that fast, just based off the times of some of the winners um, that were probably a minute or so off their PBs. Uh, Sinead Noonan was... Oh, the position... I'm going to say she was 46th, maybe, 75-29, and Tara Palm perhaps 48th in 76-18. That's just going uh, off the yeah, top, yeah, top of my 
46 and 48, you're correct. Yep. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty good result for Izzy. I'm, I'm going to um, say 14th in a, a world half champs is a good result, like based off other half marathon champs um, over the past few years. That's solid. Still hasn't been able to crack 70 minutes, Izzy. That's her PB. Uh, where do you see Izzy now in the race for that third Olympic spot? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock in Lisa and Sinead. So there's one spot left there. Where do you see Izzy in the race for that? Well, first mm. up, she ran like Budapest, what, five weeks ago? Yeah, in 2.38? Yeah, this, I think this was a, another chance to get a singlet for starters, the intention to go to these champs. Um, but, yeah, where do you put her? Aloise, Ali, Jess coming back from a baby. Who's the Jen, one? Jen, Gregson. Jen Gregson is my favourite right now. Oh, look, I was more excited about Izzy when, because when did she do Melbourne? Was it Melbourne last year? Yeah. Where mm. she ran quite, like, she ran well, but then her last couple of marathon marathons have been, like, below par. So the one in Japan that she did earlier in the year wasn't, probably the time that she was hoping to run and it wasn't like a it wasn't an improvement on melbourne which i would have sort of expected for her was it second marathon or third one um and then obviously budapest um wasn't great um for her so um yeah i I think jen's on the definitely on the up uh izzy's probably uh yeah not uh, hasn't improved in the last year over the marathon do we Jen's know where she's, she's only next? done one, hasn't she? Yeah, but like I, I feel like she'll nail the second one with everything else. That's yeah, I think for that to be her first one with what she's doing over the half, the ten k on the road, like yeah, I, yeah, I think she's um she's doing Valencia, isn't she? Aren't they all going to Valencia? Pretty much, Izzy's doing Valencia as well, isn't she? Yeah, isn't that what we're talking about? Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jen hasn't run faster than Izzy over the half. Even Izzy running 70.08 is faster than Jen's run. I think Jen will, though, and can. Yep. Well, that's just will and can is different. <laughs> just like Izzy probably will and can run the qualifier, getting it done is a different thing, isn't it? Mm. And I guess you don't have to run 70 under 70 to get the qualifier. It doesn't really matter what your half PB is or your half time. You've just got to get that spot. And at the moment, like we, we've been talking about how much of a fight it will be, but no one's got, no one's even got on the board yet. Mm. It's gonna be interesting. Six months, Watch and then you like, and then like you can't rule out Jess either. Oh it's yeah, instant. I got a slab on that with Moose. Alright. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I'll also cash in mine now. I want it. I want it next week. No, nah, I've got another side bet going with Zaka. Yeah, no, nah, so don't if care. If I lose that one at Marathon, Marathon, he's paying you that one. Side bets don't matter to me. I'm taking the yeah, slab that, next week. That wasn't in the terms and conditions, thanks. Um, so that was the half marathons there. There was also a road. No, that was the women's. The women's. So, the men's. Um, in the men's, Sebastian Sawi was first in 59.10. Uh, he beat Daniel Ebenyo. 59-14, and Samuel Malou, 59-19. Um, I've never – I'm going to be honest, I haven't heard of any of these guys. Daniel, you would have heard of Daniel. Yeah, Ebenyo, um, he maybe won like uh, – oh, 
Diamond League hour. Like, yeah, Abeno has run. Um, I think he won maybe won a Commonwealth Games medal last did you, year. Did you see him salute the other guy when he got yeah, past? Yeah, yeah, I did see that. He was popping with like it was only with like two hundred meters to go. I reckon it's around twenty six fifty eight. Um, fifty nine oh four, no marathon hasn't run a marathon yet. So yeah, maybe you haven't seen him. Bit of track guy, twelve fifty four. Finished sixth at the World Cross Country this year. Uh, he, one, he went. He ran past your moose. Yeah, shit. Ne- never seen this bloke before. He ran past you four times at Bathurst. <laughs> won the ten thousand meters at the Brussels Diamond League this year, and finished second at la- uh, yeah second at the twenty twenty two Com Games in the ten k. Okay, mm. look, I don't remember. What about um? Uh, let's not go into all of them. So in the in the the Aussies, Tim Vincent was forty eighth. He was our first man, sixty three forty, and our second. We only had two there. Ed Goddard was seventieth. In sixty-five forty-six, um, so uh, not bad from Tim, but probably not great either. And I don't think he'd be happy. I believe he got maybe ill. I think I saw on social media during the week, so he he, he got bad luck with some sickness. Uh, go into the five Ks. I'm not sure when I was watching this. I just didn't feel like it was that needed. Like. Um, the 5K Road Championships it just felt to me like a little bit of a nothing event. It, it was decent to watch, um, but yeah, I, I just felt like it was kind of almost a little pointless. Um, whereas I really liked watching the mile, and I liked like the, the half marathon champs has always been a thing. Um, so this new event, the women's 5K was won by Beatrice Chabet. She kicked down late. She looked brilliant as she ran away. Um, she ran 14.35. She's a steeplechaser. Lillian Rengarook was second in 14.39. And Algeyuhu Tai was third in 14.40. Um, Caitlin Adams was our best performed. She was 12th in 15.41. And Lauren Ryan was 19th in 15.59. Uh, this, there wasn't a deep field here here either, I didn't think. Uh, like 15.41 for Caitlin. I know she's run a lot faster than that. Twelfth, um, she would certainly be happy about. I'm not sure how many were in the field, but it, it definitely didn't look to be um, too deep. Uh, in the men's, Hargos... Just, Gebre- just, wait, just on, on that before you go, I'm not sure about um, Beatrice Chibet being the steeplechaser. She's uh, the world, world cross-country champ and ran 14.05 for 5K like last week or two weeks ago, but doesn't have a PB here for a steeplechase. Really? Mm. <laughs> yeah. People, people be writing in now, Moose. <laughs> I just saved you, Moose. Just saved you. So people don't have to write in. Yeah, she's one the one. Re- she, she won World Cross, and now she's the third fastest 5,000-meter runner of all time. Or, huh. yeah. Good. Yeah. From you? Shame also, yeah, I think third because there's, um, what is there? Uh, Segai... And then Kipiagon, and then oh, is, is Chibet faster than Gide though? I don't know. I don't know why we talk about this when we don't uh, have it in front of us, boys. I'll have a, I'll have a look. Well, she's either third or fourth anyway. I was sure one of the commentators said she was a steeplechaser. <laughs> I've um, I've been stitched up there. <laughs> um, the men's Hagos Gebre, he went. It was he was 
I reckon he was the favourite going in. He, him and Kajalcha were definitely the top two, and it played out like that. So Gebrehiwet's beaten Kajalcha, two Ethiopians. 12.59 was the winning time, and 13.02 Kajalcha run. Third place was way back, Nicholas Kipcock career. Kip career in 13.16. Um, Morgan McDonald ran through the field pretty well. Seventh place, 13.26. So a big return from Morgan. Good to see him in an Aussie singlet again. Stewie was 19th in 13.39. So not uh, Stewie. 12 positions in 13 seconds, though. Must have been a big pack there. He, who, Stewie lost? Yeah, well, Stewie's 19th, only 12 seconds or 13 seconds behind Morgan. Stewie was up up there early too. Like he went out relatively hard. Like he was definitely in front of Morgan early yeah. on. And then, but yeah, Stewie faded pretty early. Mate, Stewie was finishing around people that he would have no idea who they are. And you know, everyone was looking ahead in around him going, fucking Stewie McSween. Yeah, I've got to beat him. He, like, he would have just been this tall target for all these guys who were kind of just making their first team. And, that, like, he was the real scalp they took. Mm. And everyone wanted to, get, wanted to get past him at the end. Uh, it was a good finish, that one, because it looked like, you know, Kajelchu was potentially going to, like, just run Gebruet off his feet. But, um, yeah, at 500 to go, Gebruet went bang, and Kajelchu just couldn't go with him. Yeah. Yeah, so. it was good. Um so, yeah. Hey Brady, g'day, g'day, uh, your girl. She's slower than Chibet. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Found any sp- steeple results for her yet? <laughs> Not yet. I'll keep looking. <laughs> um, in the mile, that was a pretty good, pretty good race, the women's. I liked it. There was a clear favourite. Mm. Faith Kibyagon hasn't been beaten all year. Like, all year, no matter what she's run, she fucking won everything. So she was like unbackable favorite. Toby Mende probably put a thousand bucks on her at a dollar one, I reckon. And she went to the front, and she just started to drop him from the gun, and it just strung out real quick. And at about, I'm gonna say about twelve hundred meters in, you just got this sense of desperation from Kip Yagon that she hadn't dropped Halu. Uh, I mean, sorry, Welteji. And she was sticking to her like glue. And every time Kip Yeagan would look around, well, Teji would just sort of move out of her view a little bit. It was very clever. Uh, and she just, like, the facial, facial expressions really told the story. You could have picked that um, Kip Yeagan would have gone down probably at about that K mark, I reckon. Uh, and, and it happened pretty quickly. So, well, Teji went. Kip Yagon dropped, and then even at the end, Hailu got through and took Kip Yagon. So maybe Kip Yagon was one race too many for this season. Perhaps she got to take a rest. She would have hated losing, I reckon. Also shows uh, the road, though. Road is just different to the track, like even the, the shoes that they wear. Yeah, it is different, yes. And even being able to see the field, knowing exact diff- distances, like the effort required for 200 metres, if it's not marked out, really hard to be able to judge that stuff. It, it looks difficult running a mile on the road. Especially, and it wasn't like a, like a lot of the miles are run sort of, uh, yeah, in a straight line or U-turns, whereas this one was, um, like there's still a, a few sharp turns, like even towards the end of the race, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. It didn't look very fast. They went through um, that roundabout. 
Yeah, and the roundabout. And there was, a, and and I think reckon there was a little hill in it too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the court. They were saying it was pretty fast. I know conditions were pretty good, but it wasn't as fast as like the downhill stuff you see over in the US, like the um, Fifth Avenue mile. Yeah. Um, Jess Time's Hull loose. was our best result for the championship. She was fifth in 4.32. Um, and Sarah Billings was 14th in 4.38. Uh, geez, they've given out world records for these miles. I think it's like the first championship it's been mm. eligible for, maybe. Or like, not championship, but race. 50 grand world record bonus. Yeah. Um, nah, in- wasn't it 50 grand for the win and then 10K for the bonus? Uh, no, I reckon it was the other way around. I, I, th- I thought there was a 50k bonus for world for the world record. That's yeah. what they said on the commentary that I was watching. Yeah, you could be right. Been, I just know that Hobbs Kessler got like moose. I just know <laughs> Hobbs Hobbs Kessler got 60 grand. I, I thought it was the other way around. Let me look that up while we're talking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard them say that there was a $50,000 bonus for world records at this meet. We can't trust um, anything they say though, Croaks. Yeah. So yeah, well. T- well, Teji, you know, ran 420.98 for the world record. So she actually won, won by quite a lot. Won by like three yeah. seconds. Yeah. She looked good. She looked good the whole way. I think she was second at Diamond League final. Um, so she's been there on the back of Kip Yeager on every, every race lately. Yeah. And the yeah, men's so, race, Moose? Yeah. That was um, The thing I liked about this was like, is this, did you write all these names down? Yeah, I did. Missing? Yeah, so... Like, in terms of the field, like, this makes a bit of a mockery of the event in a way. When you call it a world championship and you've got, you know, eight or nine of the best milers not running. But in terms of the race itself, it was so close. Like, you couldn't have picked a winner with, you know, 150, 200 to go. And they were, like, right across the road, like, eight eight wide coming to the finish line. So it was an exciting race to watch. But when you've got Ingebrigtsen, Katir... Chariot, Nagoose, Kerr, Whiteman, Norday, Nordas, like so many top class milers. And even Stewie, like, didn't you say, was it, I don't know if you said it on air or off air to us that Stewie wanted to run the mile but couldn't get a start because he hadn't run enough mile races or something? It wasn't something, yeah, was that like something a, Ola said to you? 1500s or something. Like, hadn't which, qualified. Which is crazy. But how does that make sense? Like, how. How is Stewie not getting to run the mile, but Jack Anstey is? Like, it makes no sense for at a world championship. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway, so Hobbs Kessler got the win, 356.13, which uh, was a world record. Uh, Callum Elson from the UK was second, 356.41, and Sam Prakel from the US was third in 356.43. Uh, Jack Anstey from Australia was 10th in 358.3, and Matt Ramsden 12th. In four minutes, flat point three two. Do you know that guy is second? Is that guy from that UK podcast that what we're talking inside about? Jo- no, 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 not um, inside jogging. Run it three uh, ways. Right, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, six yeah. months ago, I was talking about how there's like another podcast that's like similar format to ours. Yeah, and he came for the World Cross. I listened yeah. to the recap that yeah. he gave. He, about, um, um, he was the one I said is a good fighter. Well, he sounds oh. like a good fight. The Welsh guy. Yeah, now they all sound at, tough though. Now he's second at the World Champs. Yeah, well, do we call it the world champs? Come on. Well, like, so, you so, can only beat who's there, Moose. Yeah, I'm not but, saying that. I'm just saying this is 
Is it, the world champs doesn't sound right. Okay, so you've got to go deeper here. So this world championship road racing new setup has replaced the world half marathon champs. And you're saying it's a flop because it's too saturated. Like just do a mile or just do a mile and a half marathon. I don't know. Mate, no. just, do we really need a road? They've just done all this on the track. Yeah, do we? Well, see, that's, that's the issue, Brady. I think it's mm. the timing of it. So I, I think a world But if it's that champ- good a prize money, why weren't those guys there? Well, they obviously did. Well, some of these $60,000 US. Yeah, money's obviously not an issue for some of these guys. But the problem is it makes a mockery of a world championship. Like, how can it be a world championship when, you know, seven, well, the top eight, nine guys aren't even there in the men's mile? So, like, I think there's a place for it. But you need these athletes on board, and maybe it's the wrong time of the year. Like you know, it's the end of the season. People have had enough after the Diamond League season. Like that, that's it. So it is. It, it like maybe should be done something before the track season starts as a bit of a rust buster, um, and you know the, the top athletes still turn up. That would make it feel a bit more like a World Championship than you know the Men's Mile here, where you know th- there's no way those those top three are competitive at a world championship against those nine that we mentioned that weren't there. But it's, it's also like the men's mile on the road. Like it's, it's kind of like going, Oh, the men's mountain running championships on a mountain. Mm. Like it's a very rarely run event. That's quite niche. And, and that's like people run the mile on the track. Occasionally, there's a novelty event which is in on the road, and yeah. so they've made a world championships about what's kind of a novelty event at most places. Do you think it was World Athletics as well trying to maybe cash in on the recreational runner? Because I know that there was recreational races on the same weekend on some of the same courses. Well, I thought that's how they, I thought that's how they build the event a little more. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how and why, but yeah, I'm. I wasn't very invested. All I can do is comment on myself as a fan, and as a fan, I wasn't that invested. I, I want the half marathon championships to stay strong. Uh, I think I've always enjoyed watching that, probably because it's a bit more of a pure, like the distance is pure on the road, the half marathon. That's what we watch. Whereas I've never watched a 5K like road world championships before so just because you call it something doesn't mean that it gives it prestige uh whereas the world half marathon champs has been around for a for a fairly long time um and it's got like prestige and all the best half marathons in the world tend to go to it whereas it doesn't look like they did here actually um so yeah i found the prize money was $50,000 US bonus for a world record. And then the mile was 10,000 first, 6,000 second, 3,500 third. Pays all the way down to eighth. The 5K was 10K first, 7.5 second, 6K third. Pays all the way down to eighth. The half marathon was 30,000 for first, 15 for second, 12 for third. And that paid down to 12th. So that probably answers why the, um, the depth was there in the half more than the other two events. So question for both of you then, in, in five to ten years' time, does the men's road mile world championship and the women's and the men's and women's 5K road world championships, does it does it exist? So is it, is it going to grow from here or is it just going to uh, fizzle out? 
Uh, I don't see it growing. I don't see it growing. Mm. And Brady, you'll just sit on the fence. No, I was going to say the same, Croaks. <laughs> going to say the same as Moose. Just give us some hard, fast. Remember, um, oh, the ear train. Um, he was just, a, yeah, he was just a specialist at this, wasn't he? People trying yeah, to take him down. The half is great. Yeah, and it, that's what I mean. That's what I want to see. It's a special event. Make it yeah. its own event. I felt like it was really diluted with these other races. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like that. I, like, make it its spectacle. Get people there. Showcase it. Like, that Valencia, the one that they did at Valencia was epic. And they Warhol. Did he, was a, he was a gun at the world half as and well. Warhol. Mm. I remember he ran sub-13 yeah. for, the, like, the last 5K. Mm. That was watching – that was – great watching back then all right let's move on that was the world road racing champs um listen to question croaks all right the question this week what are some key things to review and discuss with your coach post marathon race and that question comes in from money for jam on instagram but i believe his name is pierre bit of this be going on after berlin sydney melbourne in a couple of weeks will be happening as well Mm, it's a um it's a good question i i quite quite like this one it's funny though isn't it like yeah the better it goes the less you might uh debrief it discuss it not necessarily i still think there's a lot of things after every marathon block to review um different elements so like for me it's probably like uh debrief the race itself so like things that you did well in the race things that you stuffed up in the race so that probably comes down to like pacing and nutrition the things that on that day you did well or didn't do well then let's take a step back look at the block itself and go all right you know where do we think our strengths and weaknesses were in the block did we do not enough you know uh, volume um not enough you know sessions at marathon pace those real long grindy sessions um where you're running too many miles for all the other stresses that you had in your life. Um, so that, you know, reviewing the block itself. And then I, I then take a step back even further and go, okay, it's unlikely now that you're going to run another marathon for the next six months. What do you like as a runner? Like, are you somebody that doesn't have much strength and we need to improve your strength? Or are you a runner that runs the marathon purely off strength? And we could actually try and improve your 5 and 10K a little bit to make you faster over the marathon. So they're probably the three levels that, that I look at with, with an athlete after a marathon. Did you mention, like, enjoyment factor of some of the workouts or the long runs and stuff as well? Uh, I find all that's always good. Like, what motivated you? What did you like seeing on the program? What didn't you like seeing on the program? Yeah, I haven't asked that one too many times. Just to get a bit of personality, like, figure that stuff out. Hey, not there to, he's not there to have fun with people. He's there to get a marathon PBs. There to get results. This is the difference between Croaks and you. One's a recreational running coach. One's a performance coach. Yeah, because yeah. they tell me I don't like. like yeah, most people. If like I mean, and I'm the and I'm the same. The, the sessions that I don't like doing, they're the ones that are actually I know that are actually yeah, good, good for, for me. So if I'm just asking them, oh, what don't you like doing? And then go, okay, I won't give you those anymore. I want to know the holistic approach, Croaks, you know. I want to see what gets people out of bed, what doesn't get them out of bed, that kind of stuff. Get to know your athletes better, I reckon, mate. Those are my three three tiers. What do you got, Moose? That's pretty good. I mean, yeah, I I look and see where things – normally it's like why the race went bad if it went bad, and you kind of go back through and go, what could we have done differently? 
And can we identify the issue that caused the problem? That's my main thing. Because no one's block goes perfectly. Like, there's always something there. Uh, so you can always discuss that. Um, I kind of, I, I like to talk to someone and just get their, their mood and their vibe a few days after the race. That's pretty telling, I reckon. And you can see if they, like, immediately you can sort of tell if they're keen to go again or if they're enjoying their break or what their um, goals will be going forward. And they've, they've had it, they're close enough to the marathon to sort of have still some strong emotions attached to, to the finish of it, but they've also had time to think about it. So for me, timing is important in that review. Like, the question's a good one for sure, but even the timing of that um, is good. Like, I think you still, you don't want to forget what you were feeling immediately after. I think they're really true emotions. Mm. Um, and, and if you leave it a week, it's very easy to forget what you were actually feeling like at the end and, and your emotional response to like in the 24, 48 hours afterwards. I think that's important to, to capture. Um, so the time, like you guys covered a lot of it, but the timing's really good. Sydney was a great example of that. Like people being super hard on themselves that day. And yeah. it wasn't until they like saw everyone else's results. And it's like, hey, let's, let's look at this elite field. Let's look at everyone else who was out there that day. Let's look what the weather actual temperature was at the start and the middle and the end of the race. So like, yeah, we were four minutes off or two minutes off or whatever we thought. That's the factor. You weren't the outlier. The day was the outlier. Yeah, I, I just watched that today, actually, Sydney. Like, the replay of it. Oh, did you? Jeez, you, you feature heavily. Do I? Yeah. Bit of air never, time. Never anywhere near the women. <laughs> I mean, did you <laughs> see me spinning my head around? No. Still had a sore neck from turning around so much in that race. You got paid yet? <laughs> oh, no, I haven't, actually. <laughs> I there's some clause. I can't post. wait. I must can't must wait. be in good standing with the race. Welcome to episode 360 of the Inside Running Podcast. Moose, have you been paid yet? <laughs> have you been paid? I don't discuss my financial matters oh. on air, Moose. I would love that. If Brady has been paid and then, yeah, episode 369 rolls around and Moose, have <laughs> you got your payment yet? <laughs> Let's go to purchase of the week, Moose. Moose on the loose, what do you got? Talking money? Oh, yeah. I got a new bar fridge, actually. So I've decided I'd fill it with a number of different beverages. And I turn it down really cold because it's been quite warm lately. And, gee, there is nothing better than coming home for a cold with a slight a slight layer of ice on top of electrolyte cold <laughs> water. Not Well, it is water, but with electrolyte powder in it. Oh, just come back from your run. You're sweaty. You're hot. You don't really feel like eating anything, but you have just the coldest beverage waiting for you. Until you get brain freeze. Do you have water? Yeah. Do you have bottles of water in the bar fridge? Yeah, yeah, jugs of water. I keep it in the bar fridge. Okay. Our milk froze overnight in the accommodation that we're staying at in the bar fridge. Oh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, that happens. We <laughs> poured it out this morning, and she's like, "Did you did you have milk in your coffee?" I'm like, "Yeah, it was fine." <laughs> and she showed me as it's like this lump of ice on top of a cereal. <laughs> you know who else had that problem? Cam Levens in Driven. Oh yes. Did he? Yeah, that is a big old school reference, Moose. Yeah, well, Taking me back. That's like the only other time I've heard of that happening. He was running triples, wasn't he? 
Oh, yeah. she's in good. She's in good company then, Viv. Yeah. Where's your bar fridge mousse? Where Melbourne, you put it? When it's eighteen degrees, pretty different to like Utah, wherever they were when it was like negative ten. Where have you placed it in your house? It's it's next to the main fridge. Oh, really? Just a fridge yeah. next to a fridge. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm. I, I can't be fucked walking down the staircase to get it from the um, like my office. So I've just put it next to the fridge and. That's a bit perfect place to get drinks from. Bar fridge in the um, new home gym would be pretty handy, I yeah, reckon, as well. Yeah. Straight after what the about straight it? after the workout. You know, I put chocolate milks and stuff in there. Better than right next to the fridge that you've got upstairs. Like, yeah, put it but in the put it in the gym. That's a long way down the bottom of the house. You don't know how big this house is. You're talking, folks. This staircase oh. is steep. It's mm. not big. It's just a very steep staircase. Covers two postcodes. <laughs> So I, I need to keep it handy because if I'm going down those stairs and back up, that's another like 40 calories. All right. Do you want me to go to Whispers of the Week? Yeah, do it. Should, I say, should I say like that segment's like copyright or something so other podcasts start, don't start doing it? Oh, yeah, good. For, Someone yeah, did also. comment on my Strava saying like, Brady, why didn't you trademark your format of the podcast to save people ripping you off? And I'm like, good. That was probably the only insightful comment I got on my Strava all week. Well, didn't you rip it off from Marathon Talk? No, I didn't rip anything off from Marathon Talk. Maybe like the end of the show interview. Training week. They never recap the training week, Monday through Sunday. What, you're saying we're the first ever podcast to go through training Monday through Sunday, yep. They used to be like, yeah, on Tuesday. um, Do you find it? Do you find it? Show me. Did we start before um, Inside Jogging Podcast? (laughs) Yes, we did. (laughs) Anyway, uh, across my desk, this one got sent in. Um, Matt Fox, friend of the show, your mate Croaks, sweat elite boy, uh, ran Berlin Marathon a couple of weeks ago. And in one of his Strava comments, I personally don't follow him, but he mentioned... Wait, wait, wait. you break 220? Uh, Croaks? No? Yes? No, I think he just missed it. One of them just missed it, him and Nick Bester. Which one just missed it, Croaks? I think they both just missed it. Okay, so what do you run, like 221 or something? Anyway, uh, a bit, yeah, a bit slower. We're not getting any results. Anyway, in his in his Strava comments, he made comment about how he was pacing an Australian record at the Valencia Marathon, which I felt was um, fascinating. And then when I saw the uh, elite field for Valencia Marathon this week, only one Australian on there, Lisa Waitman, which is huge mm. news that she's doing a fast marathon. So I'm just putting two and two together. This is what the listener sent in that. Uh, be prepared, boys, to see an Australian record attempt in December at Valencia with Matt Fox pacing Lisa Waitman. Ooh, whisper, keep, whisper. Keep That's a watch big on that. Well, it wasn't actually. It was documented well within his comments, but just keep a, keep an eye on that. Second one, Ryan Gregson, debut of Melbourne Marathon next week. Heard anything about it? Some whispers across my desk. His previous Australian record holder for 1,500 metres. Good at cross-country I... too. This could be a big debut that's gone under the radar. I haven't heard anything official, but I have seen no, a few things on... This isn't a segment on... for official stuff, Croaks. This is just whispers. No, no. Well, I, I have seen things on social media, though, that indicate he is doing, uh, like, longer marathon-type training. So it would make sense that, um, you know, he if he's doing that sort of training, then, you know, he's obviously looking to run a marathon. And remember, Jen was talking about potentially doing Melbourne mm. or Valencia. So she's obviously chosen Valencia, but maybe um, Ryan will try and come down and pick up the, was it 20,000 for first? 20,000, yep. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, my third one, this one come from a concerned listener, Patrick Tiernan. 
Chicago Marathon's happening this week. Hasn't raced in Chicago last year. Are you boys concerned about the lack of action we're seeing from Patrick Tiernan? Like, is it yeah. is it a worry? Is it a watch? Like, I know he moved groups from uh, Oregon Track Club to... Oh, it, was, what? it was with Puma now. Yeah, it was with Puma. But what's his coach name? Um, she's two partners, husband and wife. Very credentialed, but just a bit of a watch on. This is a guy who was at the bell at the 2021 Olympics, 10,000 metres. The lack of racing we've seen in him since the last 12 months concerns me. Yeah, well, me he, too. He was meant to do um, the world champs, but obviously yeah. got injured. Uh, yeah, because he was named in that team. Yeah, he was. So just a couple of whispers across my desk this week, fellas. If you've got one, send them in to me. Got any of your own ones? Uh, no, but it sounds like you don't have any of any of your own either. You just read out what listeners said sent to you. Listeners, listeners. That's how you get them, though. That's, That's how, how you get, get them. Folks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't have anything. Um, no. Nah. All right. What's coming up? Chicago Marathon. The weather's looking amazing. Be prepared to see those Adidas shoes go around Crokes. I reckon we see some big times dropping this weekend. Need to get myself a pair of those before Osaka Moose. And uh, this week's interview is with Zach Fascioni from uh, the new signed professional athlete we've on. Had a good chat with Zach last week. He was great value. Did you listen to this on your car ride, Crokes? Uh, listened to this one on one of my runs last week, actually. He's well-spoken, isn't he? Yeah, he speaks really well. Yeah, good ambassador for that brand, that's for sure. So I hope the listeners enjoy that one. That's coming at you now. Moose, what are you doing between now and next week? I'm going to start training again. I've got to hit that momentum, get it back. What are we? Oh, tomorrow I'm going to read out, we're going to announce the winner of the TRC Geelong competition. We haven't done that yet. How are you going to pick it? Well, we pick it, we do a random number generator. We're going to get the numbers off. In... Zach is going to do that hard shit, all right? Why mm. you ask? This is Zach's job. Well, He's get... a genius at that stuff. Um, so, yeah, someone will get a 300-buck voucher to the store. How good's that? That's good. good price. The only stipulation with that is that they have to spend an extra 300 <laughs> To activate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, postage is 300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Crokes, what are you doing between now and next week, other than your heart stuff? Yeah, well, yeah, I get to go full gas tomorrow, see how high I can get my heart rate. Um, and then, yeah, driving home on Thursday. And, uh, yeah, not too much. We're actually off to Noosa next Tuesday. Hey? For a few days. Yeah. For a um, holiday. Well, Viv's school friend's getting married. It's like a Thursday wedding. So we're flying up on the. Tuesday, and then we're coming back on the Saturday, so the day before Melbourne Marathon, we, we get home. Kids? Yeah. No kids? Oh. Yeah. Noose so, no kids, Moose. Yeah. How long for? Uh, so what, Thursday, Friday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four nights? Jesus. Yeah, so actually I should give a massive shout out to Viv's parents. So like they're looking they're looking after our kids like while we're down in Melbourne for this and then again next week. So they listen yeah. to the show. Shoot. No, they don't, but still want to give them a huge <laughs> shout out. <laughs> and no, that's um, that yeah. that's that's the life, isn't it? Geez, only a school teacher could get away with that midweek. I don't know how much teaching he's doing, Moose. This guy hasn't <laughs> helped me when I'm trying to back teachers here. That's well, where you staying in Noosa? Uh, I don't know. Well, we book somewhere through Airbnb. It's not too far from the beach. Taking your puffer? Don't you have to wear a puffer when you go for a walk up there? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, fucking annoying. Be, that annoys me. <laughs> yeah, you'll so, be shirts off. And, uh, yeah, Pat, T- Pat Tiernan's coached by Amy and Alistair Craig. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
What are you doing, Brady? Uh, no, just working, croaks, working, running. That's it. Not much. Just gotta just want to stay home the next couple of weekends. Been doing too much travel. So no, nothing exciting in my end. All right, boys. Let's uh, say goodbye. Do it all again next week. Have a good week. Yeah. See ya. See ya. This week's guest on the Inside Running Podcast is an upcoming star who finds himself back in Australia after a successful college running career. He has recently turned pro as part of the OAC Oceana Group. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Zach Faccioni. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. No worries at all. I think we find you in Melbourne. It's about 1pm on a sunny, uh, what day is it today? Wednesday afternoon where I am. Is it pretty similar where you are? Yeah, no, it's pretty nice actually today. It's been beautiful down in Melbourne the last few days, so it's looking good. Oh, I didn't want to get into it early, but we will. You found yourself <laughs> in Melbourne as part of the OAC Oceana Group, um, and but you're a Sydney boy originally. So were there hesitations about moving down to Melbourne? Yeah, so people, a lot of people don't know this. I went to high school in Sydney. I was actually born in Melbourne and went all of um all of primary school here so i've lived most of my life in melbourne actually so it's kind of like a, a return home in a way ah cool yeah i didn't know that and i was talking to my co-host brad croker who was telling me about your early days with botany harriers and the part of that yeah. successful like ken green kind of um i guess jeremy roth kind of um era in sydney yep. so yeah i definitely didn't know about the early start in melbourne yeah yeah, yeah. start of my running career was all sydney though so for the for the most part it's yeah. it's in Sydney base. So when we saw you at Bundura Park a couple of weeks ago for the um, XER stuff, you never ran there as a junior? No, it was a rude awakening. <laughs> it was not an easy course. Oh, we'll get to that a bit later on as well because, um, yeah, I want to chat to you about what what the kind of differences are between, um, yeah, the cross-country stuff you've experienced over the years. But what we do do on this show, Zach, is we usually go through people's PBs to start um, to start and kind of introduce you to our audience. So I'm going to start with 1500. You're a 339 man. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct, from a few years ago now. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, well, it's it's an interesting one. Like, it's an amazing time, but 3.39 kind of doesn't get you anywhere at the moment with the current Australian distance running crop. Yeah, a few years ago, that would have been a lot more impressive than it probably is today, but now you've got, you know, 18-year-olds running <laughs> low 3.30s, so 3.39 isn't, definitely isn't what it used to be. Do you, because we'll go through your other PBs in a second, but you're successful over the longer distances as well, I guess the middle distances. Like, do you see yourself as a 1500 meter man or is it more so drop down to work on the speed? Um, I don't think I'm a 1500 meter runner. Uh, just from like a, a, I mean, to be a true 15 guy, I think you need to be a championship 1500 runner. I mean, I, I don't want to get into it too deeply, but I think you could say the same thing about someone like Jakob. Like, I don't. He can run a fast 15, but I don't think he's a 1500 runner. Um, so I think I'm definitely a 5K guy, but I would like to kind of get down and dabble in the 15 a bit more because it's one of those things like if you want to be a really good 5K guy, you almost need to be an even better 15 guy in terms of just like how fast you can run. So a bit of both if I can get it, get it done. Hang on. So the Olympic champion over 1500 meters is not a 1500 meter guy. Is that what you're telling me? That is exactly what I'm telling you. Yep. <laughs> go deep, go deep for me. I get how he's been tactically exposed the last couple of world champs, but go go deeper. Is that what you mean? That is what I mean. I mean, if if a guy like that is going to get beaten in the last two world championships and then just walk to a win in the 5K against a slew of 1240 guys, I think it's safe to argue that that is a 5K guy more so than a 1500 guy. I'm not saying he can't run a good 15. I think championship racing wise. 
he is a 5k guy more than a 1500 guy and i think he knows that deep down as well okay i think so but what about the rebuttal of that would be that the 5k guys haven't worked to their strength as much as the 1500 meter guys are against him do you know what i mean like they still take it out slow and want to kick it down whereas they, they need to run him off his feet early in the race yeah, no, that's fair. I think I think in the next few years, if we see Jakob really go for it in the five, though, I reckon we're going to see some pretty ridiculous ridiculous times coming out of him. So I don't know if running running out running him out is particularly easy. Yeah, true. I will uh, <laughs> let you know though. Norway is our second biggest listenership, so there's probably about seven thousand Norwegian listeners who will listen to oh, this boy. episode next week. So I just I'm just glad we got there early on in the interview. <laughs> Didn't, don't want to start any controversy. <laughs> it's going to be a very diplomatic podcast. Good. Wholesome. Let's go to your 3K, 7.51. Uh, tell us any stories about that one. Ah, uh, yeah, that was over COVID, outdoors um, at State 3K Champs, from memory. Um, that one I led from start to finish, pretty much. It was a good race, actually. Um, I had Nippris and Jai Edwards in there behind me. Pretty sure I messaged Nipper not long before the race asking if he would be willing to kind of trade off some laps with me. And he seemed pretty keen to just not do that and <laughs> sit on me for the race, which is fine. Um, and I think he ended up running a PB, so it worked out well for him. But yeah, I think the indoor, my indoor three is actually slightly faster than that as well. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, like, it'd be pretty rare for you to have a PB that was set in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I ran 7.46 okay. earlier this year in, in Boston indoors. Yeah. My apologies. Like, you know those I, NCAA guys who you have to scroll down a bit further on their profile <laughs> to see all these things? Yeah. Um, yeah, 5K, I'd say probably your most impressive PB, maybe. It's up to you. You can tell me that. Like 13.27 back in April this year? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think that's up there. I think it's debatable whether that or the 3K is technically better, but um, I'm very happy with that 5, yeah. I think it was a long time coming getting under that. 1330 barrier i had a good few years of running 30 to 35 um so it was good to finally finally crack that yeah and was that a wake forest record as well the college uh, yes. yeah yeah yeah. Record. yeah which would be good to take one that'd be a big deal over there wouldn't it yeah well i i had the 5k record for, i broke it first when i was a freshman around 1348 and that was a record so i just kind of kept continually breaking my own record for the last five years or so well, that's good for the ego take that um, the 10k i want to i don't I hope this is wrong because you could surely go quicker than this 30 21 that's all that i could find correct. that is correct there's the first and only track 10k ever on it was at acc champs and from memory we went through 5k in about 16 10 or something wow yeah daughter. yeah it was absolute jog fest and i think the guy that won it went and closed in like 54 or something crazy so it was just a big wind up Will you look to do more of that, though? Like, I know Honor going to um, play a big part in, I guess, kind of like a revamp of Zatapec, maybe, in December. Like, will you be on yeah. the line there, you thinking? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan right now is to try and hit the 10K there and, and run something quick. Um, I, think I, I think I've got a fast 10K in me, so I'd, I'd really like to actually have an honest go at it that isn't, you know, tactical jog fest or whatever. So, yeah, that's the current plan. And when you say fast, how fast are you thinking? Like, sub 28, 28, 10? I I think um, without getting too ahead of myself, I think I think sub twenty eight is definitely on the table. I would like to push as close to seven twenty seven thirty twenty seven forty five in that range. I think is is doable. 
but a lot of it depends on the race. I mean, I, I don't really know how my body's going to react in a fast 10 because I've never really done one before. But I think from a pure, pure like fitness standpoint, I reckon that should be possible. Yeah, off the back of that, um, yeah, sub 13.30, 5K, you'd think slowing it down to 13.55, 14 minutes, it's going to feel pretty chilled out through half. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. It's the idea. doesn't always work like that, though, does it? Just just mathematically? No. Um, another PB I wanted to talk to you about was, this was just a couple of weeks ago, last last weekend, I reckon, um, the 12K, that's appeared on your IWF or World Athletes profile, 34-33 for 12K at the Australian Road Running Champs over at Cedar Bay in Adelaide. Um, yep. More Quick time, but I think more impressively, is you're only nine seconds behind Jack Rayner. He was the only guy in front of you to get the win. And yeah. Jack, people know, a lot of listeners to our show would know that we bang on about Jack all the time. Pretty much, I think Moose calls him unbeatable on the roads domestically, but you got pretty close to him. Yeah, well, I don't, it, I, I'm not sure a lot of people would know this because it's hard to kind of see how the race would have run, but maybe a bit naively, I actually took him on with probably around 5K to go and took the lead and tried to drop him. Um, <laughs> there are a few times when I thought I'd had a bit of a gap and I was like, oh, maybe I've, maybe I've caught him off guard here and then... 1500 or so to go he just kind of blew past me put a gap on and just held it for the rest of the race so I, I tried but yeah he was it was way too good on the day that's good to hear because I don't think he would have been in that situation um many times in the last couple of years in Australia and yeah. we definitely had no idea because like, I don't think they do a live stream of that race and you kind of just get the results and I think their results were pretty messed up for a couple of days as well last week yeah. so yeah it's good to hear how it actually unfolded yeah, no, it was good fun, actually. I really enjoyed it. It's my first real road race. I did the Noosa Bolt um, years ago, back in, like, 2017. But I don't it, – it's not really a road race. I mean, it's, like, loops, and it's only a 5K. So in terms of, like, true road running, this was what I'd consider my first my first one. So it was good fun. Yeah. And are you obviously, like, pretty excited to be part of the, the on team? We've had a couple of their um, big signings. Ben Buckingham, I call him the headliner. Um <laughs> Yeah, on the show, and it seems like there's a big vibe kind of, yeah, kind of created amongst the group. And it, and I must admit, it's good to see another male, I guess, on that team. Yep. Like, it was pretty yep. female and pretty, like, development-heavy early days. Yeah. I think that's fair to say, like, playing the long game, whereas you can kind of see Bucks is making teams, or well, he didn't make this year's World Champs team, but he made Olympics and has made World Champs in the past and Com Games and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, hopefully you're not far off that stage as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. I mean, Box has done a really good job kind of holding it down. And I think one of the biggest issues of getting more guys to join up the group is you've almost got to make that make that first leap. And I think Box did that, but then not a lot of people really followed suit. And I guess it was a lot of question marks as to who else was planning on joining the group in the future and how it was going to turn out. Um, but I kind of, I mean, I believed in, in Craig and what he was trying to build. And obviously I've seen the massive success that the US group has had and I think on as a brand is is very supportive and and looks after their athletes really well so I had pretty much no hesitations and I knew like once the group got going people would be like lining up to try and join and I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case but it it seems like people are pretty you know interested in what's going on here so yeah no it's been awesome so far can you take us like behind the scenes as much as you're like happy to share like how did you go from being a college guy to a professional mm. athlete um you know and although you're from australia you're still moving moving back to australia i suppose we've kind of seen the the ollie and the kind of morgan um direct you know they stayed over there the jess hull stayed over there for a while as well now yeah. she's back 
Um, but how does it look for you? Like, do you employ an agent and then they try and get your contract? Or, yeah, tell me, because a lot of our listeners and, yeah, me included, would have no idea what it looks like. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a weird industry. It's very kind of cloak and daggery in the shadows. It's like, not a lot of people really talk about how it all goes. And I think the US especially is, is really difficult because there's the whole whole visa process that goes along with it um and having talked to a few mates in the states who are who are trying to go pro over there if you're an international it can be very very complicated like it's months of filling out paperwork and getting recommendation letters from meet directors and your athletic director from your school and if you don't have like an agent in your corner it's almost impossible to do it by yourself um so in that sense you almost have to be lucky enough for an agent to reach out to you early enough to kind of get the process started because if you're one of those guys that is just like oh i kind of want to go pro i'll kind of try and start this process by myself you're already like months behind everyone else who's already had agents reach out so i think from that standpoint this group was really nice just personally um but i mean the way it kind of worked out for me is craig reached out to me i want to say 14, 15 months ago, kind of June last year when I was at NCAAs. I still had a year to go of college at that point, but he was basically basically just like, this is what I'm trying to build. Um, are you interested? And at that point, I was like, yes, it sounds great, but I've got another year of school. Um, so from that point on, we were keeping in contact a little bit. And then eventually, Whippy entered the equation, and he kind of helped me through the whole process, um, did all my contract negotiation, figured out all the paperwork and all that stuff. And now he's kind of become my de facto agent as a result of that. Um, so it's one of those things where you kind of just fall into it in a way. Um, it's It can be very confusing and varies a lot from person to person, but that it just kind of fell into place for me more or less. Yeah, and I guess like... Unless you're absolutely dominating in the States at college and the agents can see you as we can get this guy, I don't know, let's just say a hundred grand a year off the top of yeah. our heads and we can take 15 or 20 or 10% or whatever they do. You're probably not getting approached by those agents. Would that be fair to say? Like they're just looking for yeah. the guy who they can sell off to a brand really quick. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it's like based heavily on obviously NCAA outdoors. Indoors kind of matters, but if you can just ball out at an NCAA outdoor meet, you will be so much more valuable than you otherwise would be. Like Olin Hacker um, yeah. from Wisconsin is a perfect example of that. He was obviously very good, but until he won that NCAA outdoor title in the 5K, his value would have been nothing compared to what it was after he won that. So as soon as you win that title, your value skyrockets and agents are probably like lining up to, to sign you. And then once you're in that kind of, once you're in the motions, everything can move quite quickly and you could be signed to a group very fast. But unless you're one of those top guys who has been really competitive for years, like a Kai Robinson, for example, you're kind of waiting on that one breakout performance that is going to kind of thrust you into that process and get it all kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And then I think Kai, did he just sign a is it NIL deal for with yeah, On? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with On. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they mention if that was on Oceania or on America or do you know where it is going to land potentially? I'm not sure about the specifics. I don't know if you can sign an NIL with a specific OAC group. I think yeah, okay. it's more the brand as a whole yeah. from what I understand. Yeah. 
He'd make a pretty good training park, partner, though, getting around the tan, oh, Albert Park, with him. Fantastic, yeah, yeah, I know. So hopefully we can snag him and get him down here. Got to prove that the team's worth joining first over the next 12 months. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so I guess, is it, like, would have you turned pro if there wasn't this on opportunity? Because it sounds like it was perfect timing, and it's just like, yeah, yes, it how good is this? I, I think in, in hindsight, I got incredibly lucky with, you know, this kind of opportunity presenting itself when it did and just kind of being in the right place at the right time and showing the amount of interest that I did um, early on. I I think I would have obviously liked to have turned pro if this opportunity wasn't there, but I just didn't have any other options, really. <laughs> I hadn't quite run fast enough. I didn't place high enough at any NCAA champs, so I, I don't think I would have been able to sign a contract anywhere else if this hadn't kind of come around my way what was it like when um the first email or phone call or text message i'm not sure how he did it i'm sure it's not... he instagram dm'd me i was gonna i was about to say i'm sure it wasn't an instagram dm from craig yeah. mottram because he's not very active on instagram but what you're a bit younger than me but he was like he was the man when i was growing up running oh, like yeah. is it the same for you were you like hey screenshot this send it to a few mates look who's, look yeah, who's messaging I mean... me the message came through while I, was, I think I was sitting outside with um Thomas Van Offen, who was the guy on my team that was there, a 1500 guy, and I was like, holy shit, look at this. <laughs> and I just showed him the message and was kind of losing it a little bit. Um, it was very cool when it first came through. I mean, as soon as you read like OAC and then OAC Oceania building up a new branch, I was like, yeah, I think I've got to be a part of this. <laughs> Yeah. So then if, I'm not sure, has it officially been, I know it's in your Instagram bio, but like, yeah. have it officially been announced yet? Like I haven't seen you in too many of the promos and stuff yet. I've seen like Luke Bell's Instagram stories, you're kind of popping yeah. up there and stuff, but um, how long have you been in Melbourne and like, what's, yeah, what's it kind of looked like the, the transition, I guess? Yeah. So I don't, it hasn't been officially announced from the brand. I've kind of been not hesitant, but like waiting a little bit just to see where it, where everything's at. I know they wanted to um, wait on the announcement side of things until after World Champs, just to get a bit of clean air with it all, because there was a lot of stuff going on around then. And I think they wanted to introduce all the new members at once. But I think I'm kind of in a spot now where enough people know that it doesn't, like, it's not really a surprise anymore. <laughs> so I can probably come out and, and say it, like, officially. But, um, yeah, sorry, what was the second part the, of your question? The transition to, like, yes. back from the States and Melbourne and settling yeah. into a new training group, new coach. Yeah, so I got back from the States, I think, mid, mid-June. mid I was thinking about going over to Europe, actually. We, had, we were trying to figure out some plans of, of getting over there and racing for a bit, but the collegiate se- season is very mentally draining, more so than physically draining, so you kind of get to the end of it. Unless you're, like, running really well, it's really tough to to keep going on um so we kind of just decided to pack it up come home have a bit of a rest and then i was up at home in sydney for maybe about a month flew down to melbourne or drove down to melbourne i should say and then kind of set up mid-july i got down a week before bandura um whenever that was i think that was mid mid to late july around there um but the transition's been great actually craig's been really good it's always tricky when you go to a new coach because you never know how their training's going to impact you or whether you're going to respond to it very well or not. But Craig, in general, has been very conservative with getting me on the new program. Um, like we're going from doing two two sessions a week in the, in the states to you know three most weeks here, so that's quite a big jump. And if you try and 
push that too hard too early, it's easy to get it, you know, injured or burn out or anything like that. So Craig's been really good and she's been gradually building into it, but definitely starting to feel like I'm finding my feet now and feel settled in, routines all set up, so it's been good. Yeah, and then do they assist with that, like living arrangements and things like that, or is it, have you got mates and stuff in Melbourne still when you're a kid or family or like... Because that'd be hard, wouldn't it? Like moving to yeah. a new spot. I guess the the I guess that you hope that on family kind of wraps around you. Yeah. No. I got I got actually really lucky. Um, I'm living with Tess Chris Cole, who's yep. one of the 800 meter runners on the team. Um, and they just happened to be in this house with a couple spare rooms, looking for a roommate right around the time I was moving down. So it was a really easy transition into that. But other than that, I think there's a house that is being rented out currently for a lot of the new people, which is kind of like the, the on-house, I guess you could call it. Um, so they're all living together, which is great. Because um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, it, it's really tricky moving to a new city, especially if you're like living by yourself, trying to train hard in this new city with new people. It can be it can be all very stressful. So I'm, I'm really thankful for the situation that I have, for sure. Yeah, sounds like you're settled in pretty well. I did yeah. like the reference to Bandura. I was um, I run in the same team as Andy Buchanan, who, okay. um, yep. who won that day, and we were standing out the front of the Portaloos just waiting our turn. And you you wouldn't have probably seen us, but you just popped out of one of the Portaloos, and Andy <laughs> kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and he's like, "What the hell is he doing here?" Like we absolutely <laughs> this is like just you know, AV is very much a, everyone knows everyone kind of thing, and everyone kind of can predict the order of the first five, and then. Um, you know, a thirteen twenty seven guy walks out of the toilets, and we're just like, uh, "What's happening here? What's what's the go?" So yeah, he transitioned pretty quick into that scene. Yeah, no, we did not have a lot of time coming back from that. I took a visit down like right after I got home to Melbourne just to check out the setup and everything. And Craig's like, "Yeah, I think we'll run you in State Cross in a couple of weeks." At that point, I'd like been just coming off of a break. I was barely getting back into running, and I was like, "Oh, all right, guess we're doing this early." But yeah, no, it was fun. It was it was brutal though. Um, didn't didn't expect it to be quite as hard as it was, but yeah, no, it was definitely a fun race. Yeah, and the depth in Victoria, like we bang on about it all the time, that cross-country scene. Well, were you like fourth or fifth that day? No, I think I was eighth. Eighth, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, my point exactly. Yeah. I was fourth for a while, um, and then I, I think I blew up pretty hard in the last like K and a half, uh, two Ks. But yeah, no, the depth is insane. I mean, just looking at the, the names of the guys that, that were ahead of me and kind of some of their track accolades and that kind of thing. Like you've got some, some real heavy hitters just running, you know, everyday state cross meets. Um, and then you've got all the guys that didn't even run like Rainer and Brett. You've got all these other Victorians yeah. who aren't even, aren't even racing, but yeah, Victorian running scenes just a whole nother level than what I'm used to in Australia anyway. You'll probably miss out on a lot of that. Like, I guess your plans will be to base yourselves overseas for the, the European season yeah, in future yeah, though? Yeah, for the most part. I think that's the plan, yeah. So I don't know if we'll be doing a lot of cross stuff here. That's a shame because Melbourne Uni are running for, aren't you? That's yep. a shame yep. for that, their Premier Division team. Yeah. Sure, they would have loved you running 10 rounds next year, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you touched on the training, the changes in training before from Wake Forest. Who was the head coach at Wake Forest? Uh, John Hayes is okay. his name. Yeah. He coached at um, NAU a few years ago, Lopez Lamong and... Coach Leo Manzano for a bit as well when he ran 3.30 from memory. Yeah, some good names there. Was he there when Dave McNeil was there? Um, I think he was part of recruiting Dave. I think he left just before Dave got there. But okay. he was – I'm sure Dave would know who he is. Yeah. Um, so you kind of had these three – I know Ken Green to start off with as well, like three – 
pretty well credentialed coaches and I guess the question is how well what it's because Sydney with Ken would have been similar to what Craig's doing now with the three workouts a week yeah yeah definitely a lot closer yeah that traditional Australian kind of well tell us what you're doing now we might work our way back yeah so at the moment a lot of it's it's pretty bread and butter stuff honestly I mean it's still very early days in the season so the way we're approaching training right now is just trying to get as, as strong as possible so Tuesdays have been a lot of like just threshold stuff um Craig's trying to come up with different creative ways to to break it up so it's not just doing eight by k every week so yesterday we did like three by 2k um with alternating laps we were going like 66s and 74s and did three 2ks like that so you're averaging out at like 70s but you're like speeding up slowing down that kind of thing um so yeah Tuesdays have just been Roughly 8K the threshold broken up in some some form. Um, Thursdays, we've been doing a lot of progression runs. So like 16Ks, start at like 420, 430K pace and work down to like 315s, that kind of thing. Um, and then Saturdays have been either fartleks, like I, I did a few monas um, when I first got down. And then more recently, we've been hitting some hills at Wattle Park, which has been really good. And the Sunday long run? Yeah, Sunday long run. We've been out at Listerfield pretty much every single Sunday since I've been here. Yeah. Not not crazy distances, honestly. I've been doing, I want to say, like, between 20 and 24K long runs, whereas in the States I was hitting 16 to 18 miles, which is, like, high 20s, almost 30Ks. So it's been nice <laughs> dropping that down a bit. You getting rolling on the Sunday or you're just kind of still recovering no, from the Saturday workout? Crazy. Yeah, I think when we're hitting the Saturdays pretty hard, especially on hills, um, Craig wants to keep Sundays pretty easy. Cause especially because Listerfield's quite hilly in, its, in and of itself. So if you're hitting, hitting Sunday hills hard and then you've got Saturday hills hard as well, it's just a lot of pounding back-to-back. Yeah, and what's when you're saying easy, like what's the Garmin say at the end, average pace? Um, it'd be around, since I've got the boys down, it'd be kind of 410 to 420-ish yeah. around that range. So a lot of our listeners who are probably uh, a bit slower than you over 5K that, that <laughs> jog at similar pace, that we're constantly telling them to slow down their, their long runs, their easy yep. runs, things like that. Just to, yeah. But then I heard an interview with you at Wake Forest. Weren't you doing two, was it two workouts a week, but both of them were threshold? And then you'd smash yeah. the long run a bit? Yeah. So we used to do, the states are very different. I was doing a lot of, especially in my last year there, we were doing a lot of double threshold stuff. So like we'd be doing threshold technically four times a week but um two on tuesday and then two on friday and then we would almost use our sunday long runs as like a third workout um honestly you could look at my my weight training i don't know if it's up anywhere but if you would like had it out in a big sheet and you looked at it you'd think it was marathon training the way we actually ran like we'd be doing 18 mile long runs which i think is 28 or 29k you do the first like two or three k easy and then you just hammer hammer the rest of it <laughs> you just hammer 25ks over like rolling hills when you say oh. hammer though you like talking race effort or like just like a steady kind of pickup we'd get down to probably we average there were a few that i did where i'd average around 540 miles which is um i think 330 ish yeah 330 yeah. 340ks for 25 26ks over hills over hills yeah yeah, it's it. I mean, it's tough, and I don't. I think it was really good at the time, but I think looking back, 
it's one of those things where I don't know if the benefit you get from it is really worth the strain you put on your body, especially in track season. I think it's good for cross when you're when you're training for a 10k cross race. You need that kind of that effort, but in a track season, I don't I don't know how beneficial that was. But it's just another way of, of doing it, I guess. And then the double threshold days, like, can you give us an example of what would the do you go Tuesday Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tuesday, yeah, so what, Friday. What are the mornings and afternoons look like on the Tuesday, Friday? Yeah, so a lot of them would be, just like an, an example Tuesday, um, we'd do like either 2Ks or miles at what we'd call marathon pace, which is slightly slower than threshold. So in season, if I was running threshold pace at like three-minute Ks, it's 448 miles, I'd be doing marathon pace at like 510 to 520 miles which is like I don't know, 310 315 k's in that range so just like 10 15 seconds a k slower um and you do kind of four to five miles or like three to four two k's and then come back that afternoon a few hours later um sometimes we do lots of 400 so one we do fairly often was like 2400s at like 70 to 72 off of 100 jog something like that like long continuous stuff or you'd hit eight by K, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a big day, so, isn't it though? Like how do you go yeah. warming up for the second one? I know the pace is relatively easy, but you're still yeah. you're still getting out again. Yeah, it's a lot of mileage. Um mm. you have to end up you, you have to almost do just like one to two K cooldowns mm. after all your workouts because otherwise you're still hitting close to twenty miles on the day. It's just it's it's a lot. You have to really be sleeping well and recovering well because it's thirty K's on a Tuesday and a Friday and most of it is like hard running. So it, it's really hard to double back and, and recover off of it. But if you can get it right and you, you aren't running your paces too fast, that's the biggest, the biggest key with that stuff is not running too fast mm. and it can get you really, really fit. Where do you get the, like, do you doing like short hills somewhere or like strides or some two hundreds at the end of it? Like where are you getting the turnover from if you're doing so much work at that threshold pace? And then only like, you know, I guess what's two seventy seconds is like two fifty fives, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah where mm-hmm. do you get the top end stuff from? Yeah, so I think that's something that I struggled with a lot over the last couple of years. I'd have little like hamstring niggles or something pop up where I wouldn't be able to get that faster stuff in. And if you aren't constantly keeping in touch with that top end speed, doing all that mileage just completely kills kills your legs and you have no pop and no turnover so at the end of race it's really really hard to kick down like the last last 12 months i don't think i closed a single race faster than 58 i just could not close faster than 58 and in the states that isn't really going to get you very far i mean i almost didn't make nationals this year closing in a 158 at the end of a 5k just because that it just doesn't cut it anymore um but we do a lot of um speed stuff would be on thursdays we do what we called speed development um and that would either be like 15 20 second hill sprints you do six or eight of them or you do um what we called 30 30 30s on the track which is 30 meters at 800 effort 30 meters at 400 effort and then 30 meters flat out sprint you do like six to eight of those but other than that we did a lot of strides especially in the summer when we're just doing doing lots of mileage and not really doing um, proper sessions, we'd try to hit like three to four miles of strides a week. So you go in and doing like 16 strides on a, on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, and then what was the mileage coming in at? Like what were you hitting at the end of the week? Um, it'd be around, 
140 to 150 um, at my highest. I was probably getting around 150-ish. Yeah, it's a good base you built. And then what would you sit at now then with Craig? Um, I've been doing uh, 130-ish for the last couple months. I hit 140 last week, so we're starting to build up again now. So I think if I can get in a good solid base at around kind of that 140 mark, doing three sessions a week, I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? Like you've got yeah. this this model you followed before that equaled these kind of times and now you, you mix it up again and see what it equals this time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been interesting. Every time I've changed things up a bit and added in some new stimulus here and there that I haven't really been doing before, you seem to kind of make a bit of a jump. Um, and I think that's part of just your body gets into this kind of monotonous rhythm if you're doing the same things over and over and over again. It's hard to really see those massive improvements until you switch things up and try something new. So I'm excited, I think. I think I have a lot of room for growth, and I think the training that we're doing should hopefully get me there. Yeah. What are some of your favorite workouts you've done over the years? Like, what do you Ooh. see on the program, and you're like, yes, I love doing that? I've always been a big fan of Farlex, something about them. So in the States, we do um, we do this workout where we go three or four miles at just like threshold effort, um, and then you turn around, you stop, hang out for like five minutes, and then you turn around and come back, and you go like eight to 10 by minute on, minute off. And those are always good fun. Big threshold fan or big fartlek fan, I should say. With the goal to get back to the start of where you started from? Yeah. Yeah. To get back or even go further sometimes, yeah. And as if a they group... Turn in, it, can be, it can be tricky because they turn into a bit of a race sometimes, yeah. especially if you're doing them with a big group of guys. I was going to say that with a group of people, you might start off with 15 of yours and after the fifth <laughs> one, it's down to 10 and then all of a sudden you're full gassing it and you're probably just floating the recoveries. Yeah, yeah. When you've got a massive group and everyone's threshold paces are different and you're rolling back and you can just catch people as you come back and you can see people in the distance you're just hunting them down it's yeah, good fun good race practice what about the flip side of that like what do you hate doing as a workout so when you see on the program you're like oh this is gonna be tough or you don't enjoy doing i've always just dreaded long runs and especially hard long runs i just they just go on they drag on for so long and i think it takes more mental effort than anything else just to get through them um which is part of why i don't see myself ever like transitioning to the marathon i just I think mentally it's just too too far, too much effort for me. Sounds like you've been marathon trained for four years. You'll be right. I know, exactly. I know. Maybe that's created that hate, seeing all that <laughs> yeah. stuff back-to-back <laughs> weeks. Yeah. And then, like, the short-term, um, you know, do we see – this was one of my comments about when I first saw the names listed um, on the on-team when it first kind of got announced, like – the lack of road races on there, like yeah. Bucks rarely runs on the road, um, and all the all the fifteen and eight hundred meter girls do a brilliant job at that. But you rarely see them on the roads. Like, are you now the road guy? Like, we're we going to see you at the Melbourne Marathon Festival, and um, you will, you maybe, will see me at Melbourne yeah, Marathon. Bernie yeah. Ten things like that. We're going to see you kind of yeah. yeah domestically a bit on the roads. I think probably yeah. Craig seems really um, positive on the fact that doing road races, especially in this time of the year, is really good for just building strength. Um, and we're not like the way we're running them right now is we're not we're not tapering for them. We're just kind of rolling through. Like before Adelaide, I think I did a session on Tuesday and then I did fart like on Thursday and then raced on Sunday. So we're not like backing off for them. So I think it's one of those things where it's it's just another it's another way to get some really good work in um, and make it a bit more interesting at the same time. And if anything else, like it's it's just good to be able to race against 
people like Rainer on a more regular basis. Like, I haven't raced against Australians in, in such a long time. Um, and going into, like, national champs and everything next year, I, it's, it'd be good to know how these guys race so I can actually key off them a little bit more. And So the more I get to see them in races and, and compete against them, the, the easier that's going to be. So I think from that standpoint, I think doing more of these road races is going to be really great. And the prize money is always nice as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what was is 10K at Melbourne? Yeah, 10K Melbourne Marathon. Um, then I think we're doing the 5K at Noosa Bolt. Oh, yeah. And then uh, 10K at Zatapak after that, I think, is the plan. Yeah. I had a look at the um, some of the plans for Zatapak the other day, and it looks like it's going to be amazing. Yeah, they've got some very ambitious things that they're planning, so I think it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, well, all you have to do is look at the ones that they've done overseas already to kind of get yeah. a feel for it. And it's um, no, yeah, exactly. it's going to be yeah, very innovative and very cool meet to be at. Yeah, um, and then I guess it's you're in this sticky or not sticky situation, like this interesting situation where you've got to get if you want to make a team, you've got to get the time down. But until yeah. the time's down, it's hard to get in races where they're going to be running the time. Does yeah. that make sense? Sure. So like what, yeah. yeah, like there'll be support with on, I'm sure, and you kind of mentioned Sean Whit before, but I guess the main goal for 2024 will be potentially to try and hit a qualifier for the 5K. Yeah, it's it's really tricky at the moment. And I think the distance, run, distance races specifically are in a really weird spot where the qualification times are really fast. Like mm-hmm. the 5K is down at 13.05, um, and if you look at the Australian all-time list, there have been two Australians ever who have run that fast, and it's Craig and Stewie. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to see a slew of Australians running that time. So it kind of becomes a game of, like, who can get the most points um, and what races you can get into and, and who has the biggest pulling power because it's unlikely that three Australians are going to get that time. I mean, you never know. I think Rain is close, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ran it. If Stewie wants to run it, he can. And then Morgan's looking like he's in form again. If Kai can get into a good race, he could potentially run it. So, look, I mean, I say that very few Australians have ever run that. I think if there's ever a year where multiple people are going to do it, it's probably this year. But I think the most important thing is trying to be as high up in that quota as possible um, without necessarily putting too much stock in trying to at the time because i mean if you look at a lot of the diamond leagues this year there weren't a lot of races that were in that 13 low 13 range a lot of the diamond leagues were going like 12 40 because you've got all the ethiopians dueling it out with each other trying to get you know one up on the on the next guy yeah and that hurt kai when he ran as well like it was almost too quick for him yeah it's brutal when you're when you're in your first diamond league and you're hoping it's going to be like i don't know a 12 55 race and you can ball out and run 1302 and you've got you know, three Ethiopians up front trying to run 12.40. Like, there's not that many guys in the world who can even do that. So it doesn't really help anyone when races are going like that. Um, And I think that's, you know, part of the issue with the qualification system right now is every country's got a different way of selecting their team. And the Ethiopian Federation just decided to make it a descending order list. (laughs) So you've got them going out every race trying to absolutely hammer it. And no one else can do anything in that race. Yeah, and they'd probably dictate what the pacemakers do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, screws the whole race. Anyone want to run a tiny bit slower. Um, So we're looking at Australian champs, Oceania champs. They're always big for the points. And then just trying to get a fast time that can match up with those, I suppose. 
Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, we'll go over to Europe. Um, hopefully, we can get into some good races there. Um, I mean, you've always got races in Europe that go quick. I mean, there's always a 5K in Belgium that's won in around 13 flat to 13.10. So getting in a race like that would be great if we can. Is it Hengelo think... as well? Hengelo is usually pretty quick. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's usually good. So I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me at the moment is making sure I can run as well as I can at Zadebeck, that just so I'm in a good position to to make a bid to get in these races, just proving that, you know, like, I can run fast um, and I'm in form at the moment, so you should put me in your race kind of deal. Yeah. Remind me, do the 5K points also look at your 10K time? Um, No, but 3K, you can Works get a 3K that counts. Yeah, yeah three okay. counts. So we, we may look at trying to run a fast three at some point if we can. If it yeah. lines up. Well, it's kind of handy. you got bucks on the stable as well. Like, if it's any domestically yeah. stuff and you're just like, hey, get me to 2.5K. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, with how the team's kind of growing at the moment, we've got a lot of guys and a lot of girls who are able to pace teammates, which is always really handy. So you don't it, – it's not as hard setting up these fast races. I mean, Australian domestic racing's interesting in the sense that you don't have a lot of – races especially like 5k and stuff that go particularly fast like it's very rare to even see a, a 5k go under 1340 here mm. um but the bigger your group gets and the and the better it gets the easier it is to get a few of the guys to help pace and then suddenly you've got a race running 13 teens yeah that's what we need i feel like that like the adelaide track classic one looked like it was heading that way a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. they were maybe running like oh, i reckon my, maybe the winner might have dipped under 1335 yeah it was sam mcintyre wasn't it that day um but yeah it'd be good to see that to kind of continue yeah for sure hey um outside of running i think you studied did you study business analytics something like that yeah that's correct yeah yeah, yeah i did what does that involve sounds sounds smart whatever it is <laughs> it's basically a lot of excel spreadsheets uh, a little bit of coding um data modeling it's all just like taking in different bits of data points and, and trying to turn it into something useful. Um, without getting too deep into it, you've got a lot of businesses who are collecting lots of different data points from you know all different parts. So it's like supply chain stuff or like purchasing data, customer data. And it's like, how do we combine that and turn it into something that can you know give the business insights into how to market better or make purchasing decisions better, that kind of thing. Interesting, yeah. Sounds uh, very technical. But you won't be putting that to use anytime soon? Like, you're not working part-time at all? I'm actually doing a little bit of remote work at the moment, yeah, just to keep busy a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when, when things ramp up in the next year, I think that'll probably have to go on the back burner for a bit. But at the moment, while it's in kind of off-season, pre-season-ish, I've got a lot of time on my hands, so yeah. just keeping busy doing some stuff there. Is that for a company over in the States? No, no, I'm just doing some stuff for an Australian, yep. Australian company. Yeah. And then what else do you like get your kicks out of doing? What are the other hobbies? Um, man, I've been playing um, FIFA a lot recently. The new one came out about a week ago, so I've been digging my teeth into that a bit. Um, but yeah, honestly, other than that, I don't, I don't really have a lot of energy to do much more stuff. What's on the uh, Netflix previously watched or um, binge Ooh. or stand like? What have you been watching? What did I watch recently? Um, I'm currently watching Ahsoka 
on Disney Plus than that new Star Wars show that's come out. It's still like an episode a week at the moment, but that's been interesting. Um, man, yeah, it's kind of been a bit of a lull in terms of Netflix stuff. I haven't really had a show that I've been super into recently. I tried to get into um, The Boys. It's that like live action dark superhero show, but I kind of got out of that. So I may try and start that up again. But yeah, got to find some new shows. So if there's any recommendations, I'm open. DMs are open. Yeah, DMs are open. <laughs> what about books, Zach? I often ask people what's on their bedside table. You're, you're a reader. What are you reading at the moment, if so? I'm not a reader, unfortunately. I wish I was. You sound like uh, you're a smart guy. You should be a reader. Yeah, I just, I've never been able to get into it. I used to be, when I was younger, I was like a terrible reader. And I think that just kind of scarred me going forward. So I've just never really been able to get into it. Um, I'm one of those people that'll like start reading and I'll get a few pages in and my mind will like wander off and think of something else and I'll be like, I don't know what I just read for the last five <laughs> minutes. I'll have to go back and reread it all. Uh, very good. And the last one for you, like um, you must be stoked with the on product. Like I'm sure yeah. you're not going to say a bad thing, but we had your, we had the shoe guy on a couple of weeks ago, Jordan Donnelly. He was on yeah. our uh, Shoe Geeks episode and he sounded very excited it was almost like he wanted to tell the boys what was coming out but he knew legally he wasn't allowed to but you could just tell with the excitement in his voice that it's going to be a big 12 months for the brand yeah i mean honestly i'm i'm not really sure what's coming out either um i think a lot of that testing goes on with the us group so i think if if anyone's after inside scoops they're probably the ones to ask but i've been loving the shoes so far i think the spikes are incredible that's those have been great um and I'm a big fan of their daily trainers as well. The monsters are awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's what like what the Pegasus should have been, is what I like to think of it as. At the end of each year, we do like our jog and shoe of the year, and that was my jog and shoe of the year last year. The clown yeah, monsters. Yeah, it's great. It's, a great it's been shoe. very um, controversial from what I've seen. Some people hate it and some people love it, but I've been a big fan. Yeah, yeah. My wife got a pair and then she hated it. Same thing. But then yeah. I couldn't, yeah, speak higher of it, kind of thing. So yeah, no, yeah it's interesting. You. Um, and then final question I was going to ask you, got it written down here. Oh, we've kind of spoken about the upcoming races. Mm -hmm. Um, but those U S guys, like, do you talk to them? Like, is it like an open communication between America and Australia? Like, I guess, cause they've got the Aussie guys on the books over there. Like, is it, yeah. is it like you're the same team in a way or not? Um, not really, honestly. I mean, I, I think just because I'm still quite like new on the on the team and I haven't really like had my official announcement or anything that yet like that yet I haven't had a whole lot of communication with those guys yeah um, but I'm sure like we'll spend time with them over in Boulder in the new year when we go over and we'll, we'll do like a month training camp there before we go over to Europe and stuff so in in situations like that I think it's a lot more like one whole team but at the moment like everyone's in different kind of stages of where they're at in training and what they're doing socially and like with the time zone and everything. I think it is kind of like we're a little bit separate groups, but I think going forward, as far as I know, on really wants to try and link up the OAC groups and make it more of like a, a tight knit community. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Zach, thanks massively for your time for the inside run podcast today. 45 minutes went, um, went super fast and yeah, thanks for your insights and your honesty and your answers and stuff. Yeah, no worries. It was great. Special thanks to On for sponsoring this episode of the Inside Running Podcast. On Track Night series takes over the Zatapec 10 this December in Melbourne. On Track Night celebrates the running community. The shared passion, the competition and the camaraderie, it's all there. 
high-energy affairs with loud crowds pushing athletes to greater heights. Join us as Lakeside Stadium comes to life on December 2nd. Visit ontracknights.com for more information. Just show me the